meeting. Time being 7 o'clock, I call the October 5th, 2022 meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Announcements from the chair, all citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone, or you may click the Zoom link that is on the posted agenda and on the town's website. The phone number is 929-205-6099. Then you need to enter the meeting ID, which is 844-6973-4014, and then you need to hit the pound sign. Once again, the Zoom ID is 844-6973-4014-POUND. If residents are just interested in watching the meeting, it will also be live streamed by Franklin TV. Our second announcement is in regards to uh, the municipal aggregation. And if you've been tuning into the news, you know that Massachusetts customers through National Grid and Eversource are expected to have a rising, have expected to have rising electricity rates. Residents are reminded that through Franklin's municipal aggregation program, you don't have to worry. Simply put, Municipal aggregation is when a town utilizes the buying power of the residents and small businesses to bulk purchase an electricity rate for a predetermined amount of time. Leveraging our purchase capacity allows the town of Franklin to potentially have a lower electricity rate than an individual user may have received. Residents who did not opt out of our municipal aggregation program will not see an increase in the price per kilowatt through our contracted purchase cycle, which ends November 2023. You can check if you're enrolled by taking a look at your energy bill. If you see Dynegy uh, Energy, named as your supplier, then you are enrolled. The town has provided a sample bill online for you to compare your billing statements before and after enrolling. Please note that the changes may take up to two billing cycles to be processed. 
which means now is the perfect time for you to make the most of this program if you haven't already. You can opt in to this program by visiting colonialpowergroup.com backslash Franklin backslash or by calling the supplier energy directly at 866-220-5696. Once again, the phone number is 866-220-5696. This information is also available on the Town of Franklin website by clicking on the municipal aggregation quick link from the home page. Just to give you an example, the negotiated rate that the town has negotiated is 10.5, uh, 10.7 cents per kilowatt hours. If you ha have opted out, and based upon the information that we've been given of up to a 60% increase to those people that have opted out. Those people will be paying somewhere between 17 and 20 cents a kilowatt hour as compared with the negotiated rate that the town negotiated at 10.7 cents a kilowatt hour. So it is certainly something that our residents and our local businesses should be taking advantage of. Okay, uh, moving on. Citizens' comments. Citizens are welcome to express their views for up to three minutes on a matter that is not on the agenda. The council will not engage in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens' comments. The town council will give remarks, appropriate consideration, and may ask the town administrator <coughs> to review the matter. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? And I know our town clerk uh, would. <coughs> Just identify yourself. Nancy Danello, town clerk. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is a little close. So I'm here to update the voters of Franklin and yourselves um, about the election that's coming up on November 8th. Um, we will have in-person early voting here at the town hall, so don't go to the high school. No one will be at the high school. We have the hours and dates on the town clerk's website. <clears throat> go to franklinma.gov and navigate to the town clerk's page. Um, I'll be here Saturday, the 29th, October 29th, from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. That's the last day to register to vote. It's going to be a long day, so please come and register to vote. Come and visit me. Bring me a coffee. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I have not received the ballots yet. I have contacted the state. They tell me that I should have them on or before the 12th of October. I have over 6,000 early ballots, vote by mail ballots, to get out. I have a crew of 20 people on standby. 
as soon as they come in, we'll work day and night to ensure that these ballots are out. Please, when you receive your ballot, I only ask that, I, I, I can't trust the mail. If you receive your ballot, the timeline is very tight. I shouldn't say if you receive your ballot, when you receive your ballot, the timeline is tight. <coughs> Please, I have two ballot boxes. Drop them off if at all possible. Um, just to ensure, God bless you, just to ensure that we do get them before the election day on November 8th. Second, we will be doing advanced opening and advanced deposit. What does that mean, you ask? So, we will be opening the ballot envelopes. We're gonna open them starting October 28th at 9 a.m. Observers are welcome. We're gonna have this in the training room here at the town hall. So October 28th through November 4th, we'll be opening the ballots. Again, I'll have a crew of 20 people doing this. Um, on November 5th, we'll be depositing the ballots. I will be depositing them into each tabulator. We now have nine precincts. I'm gonna set up the nine tabulators up at the high school. I'll have two people working each precinct, depositing those ballots into the tabulators. Now, we will not run the tapes. So, the ballots are gonna go into the tabulator. I'm not gonna run the tape. I'm gonna pull the memory card out of that tabulator on the day, on the night of the election at eight o'clock, I'll run the tapes for the people who have come in to vote in person on November 8th, remove that memory card, insert the memory card for the early deposit, and that's when the numbers will be run. I will have no idea on what the numbers are until November 8th at 8 p.m. Lastly, this wrong, there's four questions on the ballot, okay? I get calls every single day. Where's the fourth question? There's, no, there's only three questions. There are four questions. I have a packet downstairs in my office. I can email you the packet with the four questions. Please just be aware there are four questions. Questions. And I think that's it. Um, thank you. Have a great night, and I appreciate I appreciate you allowing me to speak. Thank you, Mitch. Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Seeing none, is there anyone out in Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Not seeing anything, Alicia, you see anything? Okay, we will move on. Uh, we have no minutes to approve, no proclamations or recognitions, no appointments. We do have one hearing scheduled for seven o'clock. And the hearing is chapter uh, 61A, Town's right of first refusal to purchase approximately 
113 acres of land together with any and all buildings and any other improvements thereon located at 215 Prospect Street, Franklin. Again, this is a public hearing on this issue. Jane. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So uh, I'm going to give an overview uh, of a presentation of uh, the town's right of first refusal to purchase uh, what's commonly known as Schmidt Farm. I should really, right out of the gate, um, let everybody know that we did have the formal public hearing also last night at the Community Preservation Committee, and the committee endorsed uh, the purchase of this property by unanimous uh, eight to nothing vote. Uh, so that was excellent news. And I want to thank, as I think uh, everybody would, all the uh, folks, some of our intents tonight, uh, but all the citizens that showed up uh, last night, both in person uh, and on Zoom. It was great to see a great crowd uh, comment and, and give some thoughts. So a lot of people will have some questions. Hopefully the PowerPoint will, um, will give an outline of what the uh, proposal is before the community. I just want to also, for the council, let you know, this is just the public hearing tonight. Um, if this uh, moves forward, which I assume based on the CPC recommendation, the actual consideration of the legislation and the purchase and sale would actually be, excuse me, on the October 19th agenda in two weeks. So there's no formal legislation tonight. It's just the public hearing and the overview. Uh, really quickly, for those at home that may not know, Chapter 61, 61A, and 61B of the Mass General Laws outlines uh, is basically a set of statutes that's been in, uh, enacted for uh, many, many decades um, to make property tax breaks um, and uh, deference, in some cases, um, to maintain productive agricultural, forested, or passive recreation uses uh, for private landowners who have eligible parcels. To enroll in Chapter 61, um, you need a minimum of five acres or greater on that land. Um, and many people ask me all the time, well, how many are in Franklin? Um, and so we've quantified it a bit. There's about 1,200 acres uh, in Franklin that are enrolled in Chapter 61 or 61A or 61B, um, and, uh, which is about technically 58 properties in town approximately. But it's really 20 or so blocks of land. I put the map up here in the PowerPoint, but there's also a map here in the council chamber. If anybody in person uh, wants to go take a look at it, they can see the status uh, of Chapter 61 properties in town. Um, and uh, they are fluid from year to year, so some, you know, couple parcels here or there may not be accurate um, based on uh, the property order, but for the most part, um, that's the basic Franklin summary. Uh, we have the PowerPoint presentation online. There's some links in here. Um, if people are really interested in uh, learning everything you've ever wanted to know about Chapter 61, I'm not gonna talk about it anymore tonight, uh, but they can click on the Mass Association of Conservation Commission's webpage they have an extraordinarily in-depth presentation in overview on Chapter 61 uh, for those. And I also should give a plug to the uh, AgCom in town, um, who I know have had some other guest speakers at their meetings, and I know that they've been doing a lot of education and outreach efforts throughout the entire community to those landowners about how to enroll in 61, eligibility, and some of the details. So uh, under Chapter 61, there's essentially two different rights of first refusal. Um, the first example is the one last year this community went through, Maple Hill. Uh, that situation was uh, there was a fully permitted project to the Planning Board and Conservation Commission. 
and the reason you go through that process is to find out what the maximum value of your land's value really is um, after wetlands and other considerations are taken into effect. Um, and so many of you, um, actually all of you, or almost all of you on the council went through this experience last summer uh, with Maple Hill. That's the more traditional route. And if you look at Massachusetts, particularly Metro West, um, the process that went through Maple Hill is traditionally the process where a landowner goes before a planning board, um, they get a permit for a certain amount of homes or commercial industrial or whatever it might be, um, and then you have 120 days to exercise your right of first refusal. Um, the community of Franklin is going to be the lucky recipient within two years to find out how to exercise the rights of refusal on both processes because Schmidt's Farm is a complete inverse process, the other process that's allowed in the state law. Um, and basically, a landowner has to declare a change of use from agriculture in this example. Um, and in this example, the, the, the uh, seller or the property owner informed the community that they wish to change the use from agriculture to residential, okay? which essentially triggers the second process um, in state law regarding 61. Um, I can assure you this process takes uh, a long time. Um, I had about five, six, seven, eight other slides up here to explain the cumbersome statutory appraisal process that has to go on, but I'm gonna save you guys another half hour or so of presentation time. Uh, it's very complicated, um, but, uh, but, um, but if you really think about both of them, both of them, both procedures are outlining what the maximum potential value of that property is. And both procedures take away the hypothetics of what could be or what couldn't be. And they really both take generally the same amount of time. The Maple Hill permitting process took a year to two years. And so when I say up here on the slide, this negotiation process and appraisal process took over a year, they're really kind of synonymous. It's just up to whichever process the seller and the landowner wants to go through. So before the town this evening, in the next couple weeks, uh, before the town is the option to purchase 113 acres of the Schmidt Farm parcel. Parcel ID is up there. Um, and the price is 3.8 million. For those of you that uh, were here last year, um, this is 113 acres for 3.8 million. Maple Hill was four, four and a half million uh, for about 70 acres. Um, We'll see some maps in a minute, but this parcel does abut already a couple of other town-owned parcels around uh, the edges. Uh, but for the most part, um, there's very few other connectivity points. There's some other easements we'll talk about in a minute. But generally speaking, the parcel is fairly landlocked. Um, and the seller, as part of this proposal, uh, Mr. Schmidt, um, will be retaining two acres um, for the purpose of building one house lot on that property. So for those folks that are in the audience or watching from home or, or go up Prospect Street, uh, right up here on the map, right around the corner is this, the infamous bend, uh, right around uh, the entrance and the driveway, if you can follow my pointer, into Schmidt Farm. Up here in the left corner is a green shaded parcel, uh, right on the edge of the driveway. That is the proposed two acres that the Schmidt family would retain as part of this proposal. Um, Part of this proposal, the seller will be responsible uh, for the removal of debris or other materials. Um, for those of you that are familiar, there are just some piles of other material that are over here, some farm equipment, shovels, rakes, 
uh, maybe a pile of tires and some uh, unused uh, propane tanks and some other things that have been left on the property for many years. All of this will have to be cleaned up by the seller and the owner. The seller has, under this proposal, be granted until July 1st of 2023 um, to remain in the structure, which is right here, the house, um, as, uh, as a transitionary period um, to give uh, the family some time to, uh, to be able to construct for the foundation and build the home up on the parcel. Um, due to the supply chain issues and the worries everybody has with residential, um, with any development these days, um, we did negotiate with the landowner an additional 60-day option. If for some reason they run into any hiccups uh, along the way, um, that option would be good through a roughly Labor Day of 2023. While the landowner is on uh, the, the uh, as part of this transitionary period, they've also agreed to maintain the lawn mowing um, and maintain the property uh, as it currently is uh, during this transitionary process. So just so to acclimate everybody, there's uh, the current residential structure, uh, then this is the barn over here, and this is the Quonset hut, uh, the back of the property. Some maps uh, here in the audience as well, um, but I just wanna let everybody, this is just a simple satellite view. Um, we're gonna go into some more in-depth slides in a minute uh, that will focus in a little bit uh, closer. But it gives you a, a better aerial view of what the town is purchasing through around this resident, this red area is what the town will be considering uh, this evening. And then again, up in the corner would be the two acres uh, for the Schmidt family to build their own. Again, the maps, if people can't see them, um, they will be online. Uh, the maps also, there's some copies here in the audience. Um, but just to give a little bit of an overview, the Schmidt Farm uh, is one of the last uh, and largest contiguous pieces of open space left in the community. Look at the map, um, there's a couple of golf courses uh, that come close, um, and then there's the country day camp. Country day camp, really, a lot of that is wet, um, and it is multiple parcels up there, but other than those, um, this is the last largest contiguous piece of open space uh, remaining in Franklin. Um, I underline far from done. Um, while management decisions are far <coughs> from uh, complete, this is just a simple list of ideas. Last night at the CPC hearing, actually, there were some other great ideas that people brought up. Uh, we'll talk about the open space plan in a minute. Uh, but we would, uh, working through Brutus, who's a Stockbridge uh, graduate out of UMass Amherst, and knows a thing or two about agriculture. He actually is a 61 property owner in his town in Ellis. Um, uh, we probably would have some sort of part-time staff person um, or some sort of dedicated individual in the Environmental Affairs Division of the DPW to really work with the stakeholders in the community about management of the parcel. Um, there's certainly potential leasing options uh, for two of the spaces. Um, even last night, some folks brought up the fact that just having the meadows and the fields to be able to walk through and run around in, and play games and kites and all sorts of things um, may be the final decision the community makes. But there's certainly some areas that are certainly um, still really good for agricultural production. Um, I know a lot of other farms uh, in the area uh, lease them out for CSA options for the community to purchase. Um, there's certainly a need for additional community garden space. King Street is far from maxed out, uh, or w well maxed out. Um, there'd be some, I think if everybody looked at the driveway, there's a nice plot of land right to the left, which would be a fantastic place for another community garden on the southern half of town. 
Um, and then obviously pollinator pastures, meadows, hiking trails, especially on the southern half where it's very wooded and forested. Um, there's really a lot of different ideas that people are going to have uh, for the, uh, for the, for the uh, parcel, but these are just a small list uh, of some of the possibilities. <coughs> um, speaking of hiking and uh, access, this is an access map. It is a little tough to read. There's a copy here in, in the audience, but um, there is some area down in the southern half of this parcel, which is very heavily forested and be great for uh, walking and hiking trails. Um, I did put on the map, there's some stars up here and off of Bald Hill, Oak Ridge, Tia Place. These easements we'll get into a little bit in a minute. Um, they may not all be access points. We do not have legal access through those parts right now, but those properties were developed um, and processed with drainage easements and other various easements. Where down the road the town could certainly find some sort of access, possibly through the southern half. Town also does own these green parcels that are on here, including this uh, water pump station down here, which the town does have access through and might be able to have some trails cut in uh, around that area over there. People asked a lot last night, what about the house, what about the barns? <laughs> um, working with the building commissioner and the town engineer, uh, we did do a site visit, um, and just to be transparent, it would it would be almost certain the building commissioner's recommendation would be to demolish the home. Um, but the great news was we did a, a walkthrough of the barn, um, and there's no question that we believe the barn could be a huge asset to this property. Um, and the building commissioner, I have a hunch, I think he's listening at home. Um, I have a hunch he might even put a little bit of his own elbow grease into it. Um, we did walk through it, it's pretty vacant. Um, there's only some tools in there. The structural foundation is pretty good. It does need windows. Um, it does have a big opening. But uh, there's some real great potential, I think, with the barn, or at least our fingers are crossed. And um, all the town staff came out of that walk um, thinking that that was a really great asset and a nice historic preservation piece um, to add to the parcel as well. I would note one last thing. Many people did get in a butter notice um, regarding a planning board meeting on October 17th. Um, ultimately, the town has to go through a process of a definitive subdivision, uh, which sounds weird. It's not really a subdivision, but really it's, it's outlining um, the frontage requirements to make both the town parcel as well as Mr. Schmidt's parcel both conforming lots to local zone. Um, and so there's no need for easements. Mr. Schmidt will have access properly. The town will have access properly. And everything you're hearing tonight will be recited again on October 17th at the planning board hearing. It does not mean there is a subdivision proposed. In fact, I'm telling people there is not a subdivision proposed. It's just what we call it. Sorry for the bad language, but that's what it is. <laughs> uh, again, uh, just to, um, it's one of the last largest pieces open in town, but um, this has been a big part of the town's open space master plan. Um, goal two in the chapter 61 analysis the town did some years ago, um, all identified Schmidt Farm as a big priority in the community, um, as well as the uh, master plan in 2013 prioritizes open space. And all of you instruct me, and we work together to prioritize open space every single year on both of our goals. Just want to zoom in for a lot of the abutters and some of the neighbors. So here are the areas off of Bald Hill and Oak Ridge. You can see down here on the corner, 
This is actually where the easements, the drainage easements are. I want to be very clear and make sure I really make sure everyone understands. These are not areas where the public can just walk through and get through the woods. That's something the town and those landowners have to work together on if there ever was going to be access, um, both uh, on uh, Bald Hill and Oak Ridge Road. But it does abut this piece of land, which is the town of Franklin right here, and this is the water uh, the water facility down there. This is the view from Nicholas Drive, so in Lyons Street. So Lyons is over here on the side. Uh, again, there is no public access through Lyons through these woods. It's private <coughs> property right over here. This is also private property up here. Um, but the Schmidt family did have an existing farming operation easement right here on the, on that line. Um, I believe probably seasonal, probably in the spring, summer, or fall. My guess is pumpkins or hay. Um, and there was some sort of uh, agreement with those owners. So there is a seasonal uh, operations easement only. Again, not accessible by just walking through and just parking your car in Nicholas. Uh, this is an agricultural easement right here and would likely be, have to be stayed um, for an agricultural purpose. And then this is an existing draining, drainage easement um, from the town to this property over here, which the town owns this corner, which is basically a little stream or a little river uh, that cuts through the property. The view from Sarsfield and Washington. Uh, Sarsfield's up here in the corner. Just again, these are all private lots off the end of this. There is no public access through here. Um, and then this is just a simple view from Washington Street about how close there's, again, no public access uh, via Washington Street. And then finally, uh, just one more in-depth view, uh, zooming into the corner of Prospect Street where the driveway is to go through the driveway. <coughs> Uh, last couple slides on finances. Um, so the proposal before the council is 3.8 million. And working with the town finance director and treasurer collector and town attorney, we'd be looking at a 20-year borrowing using uh, community preservation funds only. Uh, this purchase, if using CPA funds, would have no impact on the town's operating budget. This is off budget using only CPA funds. Um, only because we, in the next slide, will show some of the varying uh, schedules, but we're assuming a 4.5% interest rate. Um, and we're kind of looking, because the Fed Reserve just raised interest rates to tick up a little bit more. In May, we received for another borrowing 3.45. That was after the AAA bond rating, but after the Federal Reserve uh, interest hikes. Um, and so we're guessing somewhere between 3.75 and 4.5. But just for the public's sake and for transparency, at a 4.5% rate, um, you're looking at a principal of 3.8 million, a total interest of just under 1.8 million. And it was uh, wisely pointed out last night by Mr. Feely, um, who's the chair of CPC. He said, when you add up all the numbers, it doesn't seem to make sense. And the reason why is our finance director and treasurer collector wisely dedicated the principal, if you do 190,000 over 20 years, it comes to 3.8 million. So the reason why the number uh, doesn't necessarily add up um, is because the interest payments under this model actually decrease over the 20 years. Because every year when you pay off $190,000 in principal, well the interest rate yeah. only applies to 3.6 million, 3.4 million, 
3.2 million, 3 million, 2.8 million, and so forth and so on. And so you're really paying $361,000 in the first year only, okay? So that's, your, that's basically under this model, that's your highest payment. From each year on after this, that payment will go down because the interest on the principal is less. So hence that where you come up to the total price tag estimated, again, uh, at about uh, 5.6 million uh, when you include in all the principal and interest for the total. Again, these are estimates. Um, we all know the Federal Reserve is gonna jack up rates again, um, and so we're hopeful that all of the closing and all the borrowing will be done uh, before, uh, before the end of the calendar. Um, this is just to schedule the model out, different interest rate schedules. Again, the one I just went through is 4.5% across the board over here. Um, and again, people can look online and look at the different interest rates uh, to look at the different uh, financial models. Finally, just for, uh, these are some uh, resources and links that we have linked in for the PowerPoint show uh, for people that may view this later at home. Questions, comments, and public input. There's the overview again. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Jamie. Okay, uh, this is a public hearing, so therefore I will go to the public first. Uh, is there anyone in council chambers that has a comment or a question about uh, this property? Thank you. Please come forward. Just identify name and address, please. Sure. Uh oh. I'm sure. Three minutes. No worries. I'm not. I didn't okay. bring, no, I didn't bring no notes today. <laughs> First, thank you, Jamie. It was better today than it was yesterday. <laughs> um, I would like to thank you all for your consideration of this. I'm a lifelong resident, Robert Pantano, 10 Prospect Street. And it's nice to actually be here for something that I deem a little more positive than more development in uh, various locations. I think that the voters of the community um, set this bar a couple of years ago when the CPA got enacted. I would envision this as being sort of a perfect project for that. Prospect Street being the first uh, designated scenic road in the town um, could use this as a nice sort of exclamation point on it. And I think that's a wonderful thing, having known the Schmidt family most of my, all of my life almost. Um, I think that Mr. Schmidt is doing a good thing at this point, and I think his folks would be really proud of them, who I knew pretty well as well. So anyways, um, I implore you to consider this to the positive. Uh, last night was very hopeful. Um, the presentation, I think, is well thought out, extremely well articulated with Great facts, I learned a lot last night, and uh, thank you for your consideration. Thank you, Robert. <clears throat> if you're running around, please just name and address, please. Yes, um, good evening, councilors. Uh, Raymond Goulet, uh, on Miller Street, in Fredman. Um, so, um, I will say that I just learned about this project earlier this week. I was so excited about it, I attended the hearing last night, and I wanted to be here today. Uh, it's just not every day that you get these sort of opportunities. And uh, I think about um, you know, assets that uh, other neighbor, neighboring communities have 
that are similar to this. Think about uh, people who like to go for walks with their dogs or with their families. Think about the Medfield Hospital Grounds, mm -hmm. phenomenal place. Think about uh, a town barn and the possibilities that are come with that sort of thing for social uh, and exciting, you know, great town public events. Uh, in Holliston has stuff like that. Um, and, and think about community supported agriculture. That is something that is really getting traction. Uh, and think about a model like uh, Native Community Urbanic Farms in South Atlantic. Amazing place. Uh, what they do with 30 acres of land, uh, it's an interesting municipal uh, nonprofit hybrid that produces uh, agriculture, produces meat, produces vegetables, uh, they have education programs, they employ teams. Uh, the possibilities are, frankly, super exciting with, with this kind of an opportunity. So uh, I just wanted to uh, be one person saying this looks like a, you know, an opportunity we just can't pass. So thank you. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else that would like to please? Again, name and address, sorry. Good evening. Uh, my name is Cynthia Garbowski. I uh, live at 9 Prospect Street. Uh, I'm very familiar with Smith's property, and uh, I was actually the one that brought up the kites last night that really impressed me. <laughs> uh, my kids have been out on those fields and flying kites as uh, neighborhood friends. and. Uh, to be out on the property, it's a beautiful piece of land. It's, it's amazing the possibilities of what we could do. Um, some of the things that we had talked about last night was things like extending the community gardens because um, the demand on those is so high, it's a waiting list and people can't get them. And to enable our community and our town to be able to grow their own food is a huge, huge idea to train people, to teach people about how to self-sustain and have the access to this is just enormous. Um, and I just see it as something that's some, be so nice to have, and it's a great piece of property to do that. Uh, as continuing thinking about things, you know, pollinator gardens, if you don't use every piece of that property, to be able to put flowers out there and include the pollinators to have beehives, to save the monarchs. I mean, <laughs> things that could happen out there that could really be impactful, not just to our town, but the state and the environment as a whole. It's um, my crunchy granola side of things. Uh, but it's, I think, a way that a lot of people in our area are are leaning and moving and how we can improve our environment and improve our daily life as well. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the council chambers that would like to speak or have a question? Okay, I will go to Zoomland. Is there anyone out in Zoomland that would like to speak on this or have a question? Yeah. Uh, Pat, uh, looks like Pat Gallagher is going to, if you could unmute yourself. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, Pat Gallagher, I live at Two Cohasset Way. Um, I'm also the chair of the Conservation Commission. Um, spoke last night, but wanted to uh, zoom in tonight as well, just to lend my support to this. Um, I, I think this is a really amazing opportunity for the town. Um, it, it is, um, you know, I think few and far between to have an opportunity to preserve and, and keep open this size of a property, uh, particularly for an agricultural use that, you know, the, there just aren't 
there aren't properties like this, um, and, and certainly not properties that are available for the town to acquire and, and to devote to public use um, in perpetuity. So I, I think it, it's a really amazing opportunity. I think um, you know it's very much in keeping both with the Community Preservation Act and its goals, as well as Chapter 61A and its goals. And, and so I just wanted to really endorse um, what we have before us and, and uh, encourage you, uh, council members, to move forward with this and, and um, appreciate your consideration. Thank you, Pat. Is there, uh, there's one more, uh, Mark LePage. If you could unmute yourself. Yeah, good evening. Hi, Mark LePage. Uh, yep, I, can you hear me now? Yes, yeah. Okay, great. So uh, to, to Pepper Mill Lane, uh, not far from the Schmidt Farm, and you know, just really excited to hear about the opportunity to preserve this piece of open space. You know, I, I think it's exciting to hear that we've got something generational here that we can we can preserve. To Jamie's point, there really isn't uh, much space available like this that's out there. I think it's also a great opportunity to preserve a little heritage of Franklin, some of the agricultural heritage, some of the farming heritage, and, and open it up to some great recreational use. So just, just a real exciting piece. Really hope this is something the town of Franklin can pull off and just uh, really uh, would recommend this is something we should do. Thank you, Mark. Is there anyone else in on Zoom land that would like to that has a question or a comment on this property. Linda Noel. No. Noel, if you could unmute yourself. Hi, good evening. Thank you for the chance to address the council. Um, I am Linda Noel from 555 Lincoln Street. I am also on the Agricultural Commission. And I just wanted to chime in and agree with the gentleman from the Conservation Commission that this is a very wonderful opportunity for the town, and I hope that we go forward with it. I really do. It will give us a place that we could perhaps think about our community farm ideas, um, expanding the community gardens, and uh, most importantly, expanding the ag in the classroom opportunities that we would have. So I thank you for letting me speak, and I encourage you, please, please vote yes. Thank you, Linda. Is there anyone else out in Zoom land that would, that has a question or a comment? <coughs> see anyone else here? Okay, I will go to the council. Are there any councilors? Councilor Jones. Uh, Mr. Chairman. Can't speak for the whole council, but I'm certain that everyone feels the same way that this is really uh, probably a, a, a prize win for the town as a whole. I honestly feel that it's been so eloquently put by everybody tonight in regards to what the possible uses could be for this potential parcel. I think even the Interfaith Council would probably agree with the fact that that barn would probably have some great weddings in it over the years. It's a great opportunity for people to fly kites, and, and it just it, it would be a, a, a tremendous added asset <clears throat> to our community. I'm 100% favorable for it. I, I'm 
not going to repeat what everyone else has said. But and I, I do have to say that I want to give the administration and uh, town uh, government uh, kudos for all the hard work that went into making this happen. We had a lot of hard work from the administration, finance department, treasurer's department, and everyone who behind the scenes kind of making this all work. He's pointless. Oh, Mark. Mark. <laughs> She's great too. Okay. But, you know. <laughs> thank, thank you, Councillor Jones. Is there any other councillor? Councillor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I feel like I don't have to explain to many people, if you know me, how excited I am about this opportunity. Um, this, they don't make more land. This. One, as soon as you drive, as soon as you dig up some agricultural land, you, it's, no, it's no good for ag anymore. And so the possibilities is, are endless at this. But I would like to quickly thank Alicia um, as well, because, and Mark, and Jamie, and the Community Preservation Committee, and all of the residents and Franklin who voted for the Community Preservation Act this is why we could do these things. This is why we could get Maple Maple Hill property and why we how we can we can fix the red brick schoolhouse and all these wonderful things. Mm -hmm. And this is just like a win win win, as Councillor Jones says. So thank you um, to everyone and thank you, Chairman Mercer. Thank you, Councillor <laughs> I disagree with it. everything that we said, and thank you for all the work for all our work. And we're excited. Councilor Delacroix. Thank you. Um, I also would, uh, this is a great opportunity for the town of Franklin. I just want to know one thing, who's going to pull that excavator out of the middle of that property? <laughs> I, asked, I asked John, he's like, I don't know, it's been there a long time, but, uh, but uh, it's a great opportunity. It really is. I'm totally in support of it. Thank you, Councilor DeLarco. Councilor Plegri. Sure, Mr. Chairman. Um, I, too, am 100% for this. This is something great for the town. And, uh, Councilor Hamlin just said many of the things I was going to say to thank the residents, thank the CPA committee, thank the council, and thank Mr. Schmidt for working so well with us so that we have this available to us to be able to do all these things that you just mentioned. And um, I just think that it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And the CPA has helped many different projects already too. And we will continue to do that. So. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councilor Plagri. Councilor Chandler. Three, Mr. Chairman, to the town administrator. First, excuse me, you guys all said it perfectly. I'm not going to reiterate That's what right. you guys all said. I appreciate all your comments. Now, a little different spin here. You actually brought up something I was thinking about. That bad bend. That's going to be the main entrance in there. Maybe you can show people at home where it is. Yeah, right there. Are we going to be able to use any of the CPA funds to maybe fix that a little bit? No. no. Uh, in fact, um, through you, Mr. Chairman, both um, those costs as well as the demolition of the home, uh, you'll likely see a proposal in the capital program this fall. Gus is already working on a quote. Uh, Brutus, you know, in due time, we'll get up there. We've had the engineers. But uh, you can't use money usually for, for operating or maintenance costs. So we're going to have to look outside probably CPA for that stuff. Okay. I was just 
hoping because it is a bad. There's going to be a lot more traffic once we get this up and running. Right? Okay, thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Chairman. Councillor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just a question to the town administrator. The, the comments have been overwhelmingly positive, and I certainly support this endeavor. I'm just curious. Have you received any feedback from any residents opposed to this project? I have not received any. That's great to hear. Because certainly the feedback um, on the various social media platforms have been overwhelmingly positive, too. And I know speaking from an artistic point of view, because we talk about arts and culture in Franklin a lot, I think it's a great spot to think about for having a public art class or you know, some, some kind of additional use uh, for the art community in town. So it certainly has my support. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Coley Ledger. Okay, I'll take the last uh, sentence or two uh, and just say that not only would I like to thank the town administration uh, and all our department heads that worked hard on this, but I'd like to go back, not just this council, Prior councils, going back 10 or 12 years, have identified these properties in town, the last two big pieces, being the Maple Hill piece and being uh, Schmidt's Farm, as project or pieces of property that when they did come available, they should be high on the council's priority list. And I go back to uh, Jamie's predecessor, Jeff Nutting, who was very, uh, very vocal about this as well. And as I said, councils going back 10 or 15 years. I would also, <coughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't say this council has had the opportunity mm -hmm. to close on the Maple Hill and hopefully in the not too distant future close on the Schmidt farm piece and bring to the community two pieces of open, the, two of the best left pieces of open space in the town and bring them into the town coffers. So I applaud everyone's efforts. I thank all the people that have come uh, tonight to, in support of this uh, project. The Schmidt family, uh, uh, I'm a lifer. Uh, I've known uh, Schmidt, uh, John Schmidt and I went to school together. Uh, his father, his parents, my parents were good friends. Uh, so I thank John uh, for being in a position to give us this opportunity. And uh, just, uh, I just can't thank everybody for their involvement in getting us to where we are today. And uh, Jamie, I'm looking forward to this being on our agenda on October 19th. It will be. Thank you. And with that, I will close the public hearing uh, on the Schmitz Farm property. Okay, next item on the agenda is license transactions. There's uh, one, and it's a uh, change of manager, Mormax Corporation doing business as BJ's Wholesale Club, number 105, located at 100 Corporate Drive, Franklin, Mass., 02038. Clerk will 
read the transaction. Uh, thank you, Mr. Yeah. Chairman. This is a licensed transaction for a change of manager for Momax Corporation doing business as BJ Sosa, Club number 105, at 100 Corporate Drive, Franklin, Mass. 0203. Momax Corporation doing business as BJ Sosa, Club number 105, is seeking approval for a change of manager on the Wine and Malt Retail Package Store license. This new manager will be Sierra Wolf. All departments have signed off on this application. This is a motion to approve the request by Moremax Corporation doing business as BDA Social Club for changing manager to Sierra Wolf. Second. second. Motion in the second. Alicia. Thank you. Uh, so this is just a fairly routine change of manager for BJ's um, to Sierra Wolf on their retail package store um, for beer and wine. Leave Sierra and some representatives from meetings are um, on Zoom. If you have any additional questions, and all the parties have signed up. Thank you, Alicia. Questions or comments from the council? Councilor Jones. Just a curious question: If anyone from Warmax uh, Corporation, like Sierra Wolf, are available to answer a question, we may or may not know the answer to it. Um, just out of curiosity, I know the we approved this license trans this license transfer from what was originally Mac, which is now Mac Dells, which was the Ann's market thank you. And BJ took the, the license order. I'm just curious to wonder um, how much of a benefit the license has been to BJ's if that information is anyone available knows that information. Is there a representative of BJ's on the uh, Zoom call. Hi, Miss Wolf. Hi. Hi. Can, can you um, answer that? Yeah, I've the dollar figures on the benefit of the liquor license to this location, but um, as somebody who's worked in several locations, some with and without liquor and beer and what, um, it's definitely an asset um, to the itself. It definitely draws uh, business for us, um, and we're happy to provide the the options to the you know to the town. That's good. Uh, one of the things I've noticed is the discount that BJ's offers on the different things that was there. So I think it's an added bonus, bonus to the town as well. I was just curious what they felt in the bonus. That's my general question. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor Chandler. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, this is for uh, Ms. Wolf also. I was in there the other day, and you know, half the checkouts are self serve. Can you just get the bottles of wine and go through the self-serve, does it automatically stop you? Yes. It automatically, well, you can answer that. <laughs> They're saying yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a POS prompt that uh, forces a team member to verify an ID. Uh, you can bypass it and have a full date entered um, at both the man registers and the self-checkouts. Okay, thank you, that answers that. And one last thing, I know the council of the local usually asks this, but it looks like you're not going to be TIP certified till the 13th of October. So I'm certified. I'm, I'm in queue to become a trainer to be able to certify other team members and managers within the building. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank, thank you, Councilor Chandler. Any other questions or comments? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve the change of manager. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? 
Motion carries. Okay, moving on, presentations and discussions. Uh, we have one this evening. We have the Alpha County Commissioners here this evening. Uh, please come forward. Jamie, you want to do a quick intro? Well, the, the one member here needs no introduction for Padula, but um, you know, Councilor Padula, as many of you know, is traditionally the town's, been the town's representative uh, uh, for Norfolk County uh, for many, many years, um, preceded even my time here. Uh, he called me up uh, a couple months ago and thought it might be good to um, have the commission come in uh, their executive director. They're uh, recently, John, probably within the last six to eight months, a year or so. Um, and just talk a little bit about what the, what the Norfolk County does. A lot of questions from some of you, many people in the audience, many citizens always ask, like, what does Norfolk County do? Uh, and they're here tonight to answer anybody's questions. Thank you, Jamie. Just before you get started, you know, just last license transaction, Councilor, or former Councilor Perula, I almost called on you because you always had that question. Always had questions. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a good answer. Yeah, yeah, Councilor Chandler has taken over the mantle. Please continue, sorry. Thank you. Thank you so much to the town administrator and to you, uh, members of the council, to give us an opportunity to speak here tonight. As you, I am your member of the, uh, Franklin's member of the Norfolk County Advisory Board. But people do ask the question a lot, what does the Norfolk County uh, uh, government do for us? So I have our, uh, our county director here, John Cronin. Uh, I've been working with him for a while. We're very fortunate to have him. Just like being on the council and having these people over here with us has been very, uh, very good. So he's here to tell you a little bit about what we do over at Norfolk County for the local, uh, for the local communities. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Good evening, members of the council. Um, on behalf of the Norfolk County Commissioners, uh, Chairman Joe Shea, Peter Collins, and Richard Stady, um, I'm very grateful to be before you this evening to share some insight into Norfolk County's functions and operations. And most importantly, if there's time permitted, Mr. Chairman, to answer any questions the members may have, I'd be very, very happy to do so. So briefly, uh, my name is John Cronin. I'm the Norfolk County Director since uh, June of 21. Um, I uh, want to explain this evening that uh, the county is managed by three elected commissioners who work with an advisory board, as Peter indicated, which approve all their annual operating and capital spending to carry out the functions of our $34 million organization. Broadly, the county departments are broken into several components. We have a facility maintenance department that oversees six uh, county courthouses, including Dedham Superior Court in Dedham. The uh, total square footage that the facility maintenance people oversee is quite substantial as they manage over 200,000 square feet of buildings, uh, including a couple of very historical ones. Um, these, uh, this maintenance uh, division um, is responsible for maintaining the uh, environment on the interior and exterior of the facilities to the uh, benefit of the trial courts 24-7. Uh, the county owns a golf course. Um, there's an interesting story behind this and I just wanted to briefly explain it to you. Uh, the county obtained the golf course in Wollaston um, back in 1977, uh, but the history of the golf course actually goes back to 1895. If there are any golfers in the room, Francis, who met, actually practiced on that um, particular golf course while he was competing in the British Opens and Amateurs. Um, the course is in excellent shape. It features some of the finest uh, views and uh, conditions of a public golf course, and we're grateful to have it. It is a profit-making organization it regularly turns about a $200,000 profit uh, for the county. 
Um, in addition, um, the, partic the, the particular property has several other recreational uh, facilities, including a very active tennis environment, uh, pickleball uh, court, and the county is going to be installing a $175,000 upgrade to the playground. Uh, so it's very active, it's a beautiful environment, right? Mainly in Milton with a, a slice of it in Quincy. If you're in the area and want to uh, check it out, it's a beautiful opportunity to enjoy some recreation. The county also oversees the Norfolk County Agricultural High School. Uh, the Norfolk Aggie, as you probably know, provides a very unique academic and agricultural science vocational experience. There are 600 students there, including 16 from Franklin. Um, it is one of the most specialized educational experiences in the state. And there's only one other agricultural school, and that, of course, is in Bristol. So we're lucky to have that particular feature in the county. We operate a program called Retire Retired Senior Volunteers, uh, RSVPs for short. Uh, this is a, uh, a program that has found a, a quite a unique niche in Norfolk County, where it provides uh, various programs for retired seniors, including rides for veterans, an annual toy drive, reading programs where our uh, coordinators help uh, seniors who are interested in reaching uh, children in schools and reading to them, and also food for neighbors in need. Um, it's a very connected program, it's very bright, vibrant. It did take a hit with uh, volunteer services during the pandemic, but they found, we found their footing. And again, it's a very um, wonderful and unique program in Norfolk County. Our engineering program um, is a department that services uh, highway layouts, surveys for new layouts of uh, existing roadways, settings of permanent monuments and so forth. They work directly with communities upon demand. In fact, I believe they recently helped uh, the town of Franklin lay approximately one mile of sidewalks back in 2019. Uh, these surveys, excuse me, these engineering programs are a benefit to the communities for free. Uh, again, that's not offered in other communities outside Norfolk County. Moving on beyond the departments, uh, Norfolk County, as you probably know, has been very active in the grant space. Uh, since uh, 2021, when the county received $137 million for the benefit of its 28 cities and towns, uh, the, the county commissioners embarked on the process of setting up a portal and a program that can help distribute the funds through an allotted process. Uh, to date, the county has distributed $30 million to 16 communities, including Franklin. Uh, today, I was happy to uh, join the commissioners as they approved the, the third award for Franklin um, totaling to date $3,221,000. You folks probably understand the amount of money the county has available to distribute to Franklin um, exceeds $6.4 million. We have until uh, the end of December of 2024 to obligate those funds. Today the commissioners approved the allotment amount that can be distributed to communities to 75%, so we look forward to hearing more from Jamie and his team. Uh, Jen Thompson, who of course you're working with, uh, great, great help. So uh, today Franklin's been very active and uh, we're very happy <coughs> to help you expedite uh, the process of gaining access to those funds. One program I want to briefly explain um, that we're trying to launch is a weights and measures program. Um, county government can serve a lot of different features and one of them is expanding regional services. Collectively, our communities are stronger when we can share resources and ideas. Uh, weights and measures is an area of need right now, and we see this uh, through some experience and communications we have with other Norfolk County managers, Franklin being one of them. Um, as a result of some interactions with the state, who is withdrawing their support for some of these programs in certain sized communities, Norfolk County is beginning to pivot into this space and will try to uh, create a program which will feature full-time employees and equipment 
to provide this critical service um, to communities, including Franklin. So you'll be hearing from us shortly, uh, through Jamie, of course, over the next several months as we look to expand that program. That concludes my opening remarks to you, Mr. Chairman, members of the council. Um, I wanted to allow for any questions uh, for your, from your counselors. Uh, be happy to answer anything on my phone. Thank you. Thank you. Questions or comments from the council? Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Welcome. Thank Dr. you. Lee. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Thank you for the presentation. Mr. Cronin, are you by any chance from Milton? Uh, I have a brother that lived in Milton. Oh, okay. I, I have another you. brother that lives in Franklin. I, I come from a relatively large family. We're <laughs> spread out. I know John Cronin years ago in Milton, but he's since passed. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, was he a former town administrator? He was. Yeah. It was surreal um, when I walked into their uh, chambers and I saw my name on the door. <laughs> so, no, that's not for you. <laughs> But thank um, but, you. But my question really comes to, and excuse me for not knowing the exact numbers, but just to be roundabout for everyone, the $135 million federal grant that you know got, came to counties instead of coming directly to cities and towns. And I remember reading that there was an admin fee that the county was allowed to assess to those things. <coughs> I'm just curious what you folks are doing with that piece of the, of the puzzle. Great question. Um, 3% is the answer to the question, Mr. Cormier. The amount um, that the commissioners approved for our administration of the grant totaled 3% of the $137 million. That's broken into two prongs. Uh, the first is 2.5% towards uh, the administrative parts of this program. As you can imagine, managing a $137 million grant for any organization was burdensome. We did not have the infrastructure to create the program uh, to be accountable to the final rule in the stands of the federal grant. So we collaborated with four other counties, the other counties in Massachusetts, that included Plymouth, Bristol, Barnstable, and Dukes. One of the things that we realized was, again, strength in numbers, we could hire the same firm, the same law firm, um, and same, same auditors to develop the program. So we successfully did that. The administrative cost associated with that grant is paying for that over the next several years. So uh, we think, uh, we actually know, that the 3% cost associated with running this program is the lowest of any county in Massachusetts. So, so basically it went to administrative costs, to outsourcing, to auditors, lawyers, and lawyers to be able to handle the grants appropriately. That's correct. And also the one-time charge of building the portal. Okay, great, thank you. That's You're welcome, Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Cormier Ledger. Councilor Chandler. How are you, Mr. Chairman? Hi, guys, thank you. Good evening. Um, it was funny. Um, you were talking about the regional services, and I was thinking about that too when you guys were coming in. Because um, how I grew up, every town is a kingdom. We're our own kingdoms. We do everything just ourselves, you know, our own superintendents, our own police chiefs. Are you getting any pushback for any of that regional services that you want to get going? Or? No. That, no. No. We, 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 we're collaborators, uh, Counselor. We envision ourselves to be there when our communities need us, and in this case, through discussions that organically began at Norfolk County Managers, my assistant director, Bill Buckley, who's with us this evening, started to hear pretty clearly about the need for this kind of a program. So through that collaboration, Counselor, we realized we can help, and um, it's a perfect linkage between what those communities need and what we can collaborate to get to. Thank you, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you, uh, former Counselor Padula, because I did learn to the I's and the T's by watching you. <laughs> <laughs> if I could, Mr. Chairman, one follow-up sure. to Mr. Chandler's Please. remarks, it just occurred to me. Uh, I live in a community a little bit uh, to the 
to the left of us on, on Holliston, I'm in Middlesex County. We don't have a functional county government to, to fall back on, but we are chronically looking for services or arrangements with other communities. And it's a task to try and find a, a, a willing partner to deal with uh, dog officer services, for example. It's a big issue for small communities. Um, so we have to launch into a personal relationship, develop an MOU, and then through trust and you know some past experiences, build those programs. It's hard. Uh, we're looking for similar uh, solutions for traffic officer, traffic safety, things that communities don't have the resources to hire people for. And we feel like sometimes we're feeling ourselves in the dark. If we had a functional county government, that's where I would go for those kind of answers. And we, we, we believe in Norfolk County, the commissioners are very committed to it, to making sure the communities know that we're there to service their needs. Thanks for the follow-up. Sure, no problem. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Sheridan. Uh, I'm just curious, what's the history? Why doesn't Middlesex, why do some counties have governments and some don't? Governor Welp. What? Governor Welp. Okay. Uh, Middlesex <laughs> is such a big county, you think they would have one? Uh, they did. Yeah. Uh, all counties were functional. They were originally a very big part of Massachusetts governance. Uh, but in the early 90s, Governor Weld and the legislature uh, saw to it that certain certain parts of the state, mainly uh, north uh, of us, were eliminated. They were collapsed. Mo many of the services were absorbed by state government. Uh, that includes registry deeds and things like that. They're all part of the state government now. But why not the whole state? I'm just curious. Precedes my okay. my my involvement. Um, I I can only guess, but I believe a lot of it had to do with the functionality of government. Uh, you you you'd have to understand that Norfolk County and then due south, Mr. Sheridan, are the intact portions of county government. I think it's because of the scale and and, and the way that we can work with our communities. Middlesex is a very large county. It's the largest in Massachusetts, and I think it got too big. Okay. Mm -hmm. And similarly, out west, the communities just didn't need it any longer. Okay. Thank you, Councilor Sheridan. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Through the chair, thank you, gentlemen, for being here tonight. Um, we, I think, all of us were wondering, like, what, what does the county do? So, thank you for um, helping us clarify that. I do have a question. Do you have some kind of master plan for the county, like um, economic development? What are you going to do with all your facilities? Sort of what? Um, an open space plan for the next, ten, say, 10 years? Um, we do not at this time, uh, at least the current one. In the past, the county has embarked on those types of things. In fact, in the past, the county was involved in a variety of businesses that have lapsed, uh, including uh, the sheriff's department, a hospital, things like that. Mm -hmm. Going forward, these uh, commissioners have talked about doing a, uh, an energy audit of all our facilities to ensure that we're using the most efficient means possible to maintain power and heating and cooling. Um, the Norfolk County Agricultural School, for example, we're currently trying to put a solar project in there for the um, ag, uh, ag, agricultural educational experience, uh, but in addition, it promotes green um, style of power for that environment. Um, the commissioners have recently asked me to look into working with the State Department of Capital Asset Management as well as the trial courts to envision a more efficient way to uh, power all of our courthouses. So that's the next step that I envision taking. In terms of land or open space, uh, the, the, the commissioners don't currently have a plan for that. Uh, we do embrace the, the land that we own principally, the agricultural school, which is a massive um, property in and of itself. 
they, they are committed to uh, the green space living and promoting clean energy as well. So that's the direction they're heading. Thank you. My um, pleasure. And also, so and also like an economic development master plan for the community for the for the county. So maybe we could start to work together. I mean, we we had uh, Councillor um, Chandler mentioned that we were all kind of like in our own little spaces. But maybe if we could do something countywide, it might um, help a little bit. Um, but you you mentioned the Norfolk Aggie. So I mean, one of the things we heard is that, that I've heard from the Aggie is that they're, that I know that there's solar fields on top of all the parking areas, which is fantastic, yeah, but yeah. also there's this plan to cut down the forest that's used for the forestry open classroom. And, um, and to me, that means like, that's not really green, you know, if you cut down the trees to put up solar. So I was wondering um, what was the, if, if you had an update on that or if there was a change in plan for that. Sure, from what I understand, that uh, particular project counselor was built into four phases. The first phase involved basically an open field conversion to a uh, solar ground-based solar project, and that's been approved. Uh, the second phase, which is uh, the development, of, I should say the first phase was the canopy you talked about, I should mention that. That was <laughs> really cool. done. <laughs> Moving on, uh, the third phase, I believe, is the area you just referred to as the cutting down the forest. Um, with all due respect, I'll have to correct that uh, expression. We're not cutting down a forest. We will be removing uh, some trees. Um, we've worked very diligently over the last five years with abutters and neighbors, and uh, through a variety of public visits, <coughs> public hearings, we recognize that uh, reducing uh, the, the amount of trees in the property is not the preferred outcome, um, but uh, the carbon equivalent is preferred when you place the, uh, the, the solar rays on the ground there. There will be some trees removed, it's not a forest. The area is immense, it has multiple areas that are wooded, the trails will still be intact, and the use of the land will still be very much enriched. Um, the, the school is looking forward, I think, to the element of using the, 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 the array as a, as a learning tool. There's so much that can be gained for education and for students that are interested in solar and the benefit it has to our community and to our environment, that it's a whole new angle that they can really embrace. Um, so with all due respect, I think I've, I've backed off from the use of the word forest. I think we will be removing some trees. We recognize that. And removing one tree is not great, but replacing it with a green energy uh, purpose um, is, is really the goal here. And most of that particular array is in an open field as well. It's an old hay field that's not being used any longer. And we'd be happy to share the details of that anytime. That would be wonderful if you could do that. I, through Jamie, I'll send it to you tomorrow. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. <clears throat> Councilor Jones. First off, Councilor Kula, so great to see you. Nice to have you back. It would be nice to have you back on this side of the table. Nice to meet you here. Thank you, you want to get on the this side of the table. Anything specifically. But um, first of all, great presentation, by the way. Very, very informative. Thank you, Councilor. I, I, I think one of the challenges that I, I come from, born and raised in Millsex County, I did know that Middlesex County got broken up. Um, there, Norfolk County in and of itself is a rather complex county. I think you probably agree because it's an eclectic array of cities and towns, everything from Quincy on one end, if I'm correct, all the way down to us and everyone else. Cohasset to Bellingham. Between. Cohasset. Cohasset to Bellingham. There you go. That, so just that that says a lot because you've got such a, such a large swath. In a variety of different cities and towns, everything in between, it must be a daunting task 
to manage that in and of itself. The fact that the fact that Norfolk County has been able to sustain its form of government in, in let alone do it as effectively as it has is, is a testament to the commission itself. I'll give you guys kudos for that. Um, would you say that it was a wise idea to allow the, the, the state, the, to allow the commission and the county to manage the ARPA money in lieu of just distributing the money to the towns themselves instead of having to go to the county commission? I mean, I just, I think one of my concerns in regards to that, to quote council of Legis point, is is the money being spent, and, and Snow itself, please don't take this in the wrong way, is the money being spent in the best possible way that it could in order to benefit the citizens who mostly need it within the county? And that, in other words, exuberant lawyer fees, administration fees, and so on and so forth. What kind of promise that we have that this money is really you know, making it to those that really need it? Right. Uh, first of all, great questions. Uh, the first one, um, it, it's not for me to say if it was the right choice, but it was the only choice. The funding that was designated by the federal government uh, to be destined to communities and, and counties was defined that way. It wasn't a choice. Um, we could not have turned it back over to the communities. That early on, that was imagined to be the case because, as Council Sheridan mentioned, there are extinct counties now, um, and as a result, the funds went directly to them. As I mentioned, I live in, in a, an extinct county. We got two prompts. The money came from the feds in two buckets. But it was not possible for us to turn and say, we'd like to defer to the communities. That, that was not a legal option. Mm -hmm. So what we decided to do was to optimize what county government can do for the communities. And I think, again, I want to share the wisdom of the county commissioners by embracing the team approach with the other counties, uh, Councilor Jones, because we are, we are practicing the same interpretation of the final rule as the other counties. If you called your, 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 your partners in Bristol County or Plymouth County, you say, if you're getting funds for this type of project, you're gonna get the same answer. It's the same auditor, it's the same interpretation. With respect to the uh, assignment of value to each community, uh, based on population from 2019, I think it's the most fair distribution of funds. But I will say this, uh, having managed many, many grants in my career, We've got a lot of money that we propose will be spent through an allotment to the various 28 cities and towns in the, in the county. A year from now, if we envision that some counties, excuse me, some communities are not reaching those allotments, we're gonna work with them to redistribute that resource to the communities that actually can spend it. Now, with respect to the purposes of how they're spending it, we're quite pleased that the county communities understand it because they're getting pretty good advice from one of the top auditor firms in the United States, Clifton Lawrence and Allen. They are, they are really engaging the communities, answering questions, and helping them understand not only is it an eligible expense, but it's a wise expense. Um, our website has a breakout of the opera awards given to date by purpose area. You can see how these communities are using the funds. So I'm very happy with their they're thinking of how to use it and how wise they are doing. But I want to leave you with the idea that a year from now, as I read back out to the town administrators and the communities, it's likely we may need to reconfigure or recalculate the distribution because some communities just probably won't get to these funds. And we want to help optimize the remaining balance to those that can't. So I hope I've answered your question. But we're very comfortable in the space that we feel that we're in. And we're um, very happy with the way the program's running to date. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mr. Chairman.
Our pleasure. Thank, Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Councilor Jones. Councilor Yeah. Uh, thank you for coming. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, for you, Chair. Uh, the money, like, as you hold it, is it accruing interest? Yes, it is. And, and you guys are receiving? We do. Uh, do you know how much? Over the term of, I believe, after the first year, we collected approximately $50,000 in interest. Um, yeah, it, it, it did feel weird. And, and this has already been touched upon, so I, I don't want to beat it too hard. But that some uh, communities receive the funds directly, and we get uh, I think it was four million taken off the top for the job of get, getting us the money that others were able to get directly. Uh, did feel does feel weird, and I think that's you know a few hundred. Yeah, a few hundred thousand dollars that would have come to Franklin that we could have spent. Um, so I appreciate you enumerating how it was used, but I would further encourage you, whenever there's money that comes your way, to maximize the amount that's coming to our communities. I will be happy to. If I could add one element to the ARPA discussion, Mr. Chairman, uh, to the benefit of the counselors, there's an element of ARPA, and I'm sure Jamie knows about it, that really caught fire with a lot of the communities. It's the revenue loss component. There are five prongs to the grant. The revenue loss is the area that a lot of recipients really want to use their funds for because there's no strings attached. It's basically, it's basically as long as it fits a governmental service purpose, you can use it. It doesn't have to fit into open space or any of those other, uh, or other um, not open space, but uh, economic development, public health, and so forth. Um, we've actually taken the steps to distribute that $10 million benefit equitably again to every single community based on the same formula. But, to your point, not every community is going to use their tranche of the revenue loss. So what that means is there will be more money available from that source that I'm going to redistribute to communities like Franklin if they need it um, because we believe in sharing that benefit. Uh, but I hear you on the, on the cost, but I would also challenge you, Councillor, there aren't, there aren't many grant opportunities that any community can use that wouldn't otherwise require administrative costs, and I believe 3% is about as low as you'll find anywhere in the United States. So we're pretty proud of that. Um, if you want to fact check that against what our other community, our other counties are doing, I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but it won't be hard for you to find. Um, we're doing pretty well. I appreciate that. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Councilor Frangelo. Okay, uh, John, Peter, thank you. And I just close to piggyback on what Councilor Frangillo said, uh, and I want to make sure that our audience and residents understand that if we did get that money directly to the community, the community would have some of those costs that the Norfolk County Commission is Actually, that three percent, uh, whether it was one percent, two percent, there would be some of those costs, administrative costs, that we would have to incur. I, I, Jamie, I, 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 know, I think you've got more time on the schedule. I don't think that's yeah. yeah, right. That's, that's <laughs> I'm thinking of Alicia and myself. And Same here. Uh, uh, really quickly, Mr. Chairman, just a couple of clarifying things. Just for the public edification, one of the things, these are both federal legislation. So we have to think of this as a 50-state decision. 
So CARES Act was funneled to the local level in the actual pandemic emergency, came right to the municipal level. Well, if you were in Oklahoma or Texas or North Carolina, you were saying the opposite argument to your congressman saying, hey, come on, like the municipal level, we don't have municipalities around here. We've got counties. So the same thing we're saying now, and so really, truly, if you talk to Senator Warren, really they flipped it. Yeah. And so on ARPA, you know, we were just the innocent bystander being in a, in a county form of government um, where we just had to deal with, with this additional hurdle. Um, I think John would agree, um, you know, anytime you inherit $138 million, town managers and elected officials are gonna be a little itchy. And, um, you know, and at the time, just in full deference too, uh, John was not here, Bill was there. We had, there were a lot of staffing changes at the county um, and there were, you know, certainly a few frosties early. We talked about it through many presentations here, um, but uh, as illustrated recently today with the mental health uh, clinician that was approved by the county uh, for the police department, um, I think John would agree uh, as well, and I think a lot of other town managers would agree um, that the systems now are in place and everything is very fluid. I believe we actually got the money from approval to wire um, within a month or so, which is pretty fast. Um, the thing, Mr. Chairman, really quickly that I did not know um, is that the county right now, up until today, they had authorized only half of that 130 million. So I'm looking, I'm listening to his numbers, and so I'm thinking there's a lot of towns for some reason that have not applied yet, and that aren't taking advantage of the money the county has already said for almost a year is available. But one of those communities is not this one. And you know, as of today, every application for that three and a quarter, I think you said, John, three, three and a quarter million has all been reviewed and appropriated, and we would imagine the wire will be here soon. So all of those decisions are because of your support and all the decisions made here on how to use that money. Uh, but I can assure you we will not wait, and frankly will not be one of those towns that is gonna leave a dime on the table. Um, we're gonna make sure that we take advantage of every opportunity the county gives us. Thank you. And I would hope that you would take every opportunity to use some of those reallocated funds <laughs> that <laughs> well, you're speaking exactly. about. You know, uh, and, 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 and great point, Councillor, um, and to, to Jamie's point, the, the communities that will prevail under those circumstances when we need to sh reshuffle the deck and, and optimize the remaining revenue, the communities that will be successful, the ones that have programs that are ready, that they've identified the need for, um, we have, we're on the clock. These funds have to be obligated, as I mentioned, by the end of 2024. It sounds like a long way away, but it's two years. If you've got a project, a shovel-ready shovel project, that's gold for ARPA. But if you've got to think about something, put it out to bid, put it before your town for a town meeting approval, you know how, how fast things move. They don't. Um, so you better start planning now. And if you want to make yourself, um, put yourself in the best position to recoup any funds above your allotment, have those projects ready. Uh, because those are the ones that we'll be looking to award. Can you cover a Beaver Street Interceptor? Just a thought. He was going to say yes, and then we're going to tell him yeah. the price tag. <laughs> we have a beautiful Mr. Mr. Panola. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I, did, I wanted to say one piece. I'm not sure if we mentioned it. Commissioner said he wanted to be here, but he was out of, out of country. Yes. So he was going to actually attend, but he's out of country. Uh, I just want to thank... Uh, um, the town administrator and the 
town council give us an opportunity to explain some of the things that we do. Uh, thank you for all your questions. You can see that we've got uh, an incredible staff uh, with John Cronin. There's no question this guy can't answer. If he doesn't have the answer, it's kind of like being with Jamie. He doesn't know. He goes and finds the answer for you. Jeff Nutting was the same way. And again, I'll say this, like all these gentlemen I got to deal with, including Mr. Nutting, you may not like the answer, but you got one. There was no pussyfooting around. They would dig up the information and give it to you. So um, this is a good opportunity. And one of the things I know that uh, Mr. Cronin's going to say too is, you have questions, anything comes up, you hear something about deforesting or some other thing that's completely untrue, you pick up the phone, call me or call John, and we're going to get you the information. <coughs> and you'll have that information. He says he's going to get the information tomorrow. It's going to go to Jamie, and Jamie will get it over to you. So it's wonderful. Anytime, ask any questions. Thank, Thank you again you. for the opportunity. I'm sorry, John. Thank you, Pete. Uh, in closing, I just, uh, I, I'd like to let Franklin know, um, in my one year, I've had uh, exactly four advisory board meetings. Um, Peter Padula um, regularly surfaces them. Uh, through his activity and, and, his, and his deep wisdom to the top of the list of those advisory board members. Um, you're very lucky to have him. He's, a, he's an exceptional asset, shows up to every meeting, and his history on county government is exceptional. So you're well well represented. Thank you, John. And we, we know we are. We miss him from the council. We do. <laughs> for sure. Uh, John, Peter, thank you very much. Uh, I'm sure, uh, I know it was very informative for me. I'm sure it was for a lot of my fellow counselors. And as well, I'm sure a lot of our audience uh, learned a lot tonight. So thank you so much. Thank for you having very me. much. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, members. Thank you for Good evening. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Okay, moving on. Legislation for action. Resolution 22-62. Request for special legislation regarding authority for the Town of Franklin acting through the Franklin Town Council to grant an all alcoholic beverages not to be drunk on the premises alcoholic beverage license in excess of the town's quota to Mad Deli Inc. doing business as Daisy's Market. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is resolution 22-62. Uh, request for special legislation in regards to authority for the town of Franklin acting through the Franklin Town Council to grant all alcoholic beverages licenses not to be drunk on the premises alcoholic beverages license in excess of the town's quota to Matt Deli, Incorporated Doing Business as DC's Market. Motion to waive the reading. Second. Motion and a second to waive the reading. All those in favor of waiving the reading signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? No. One no. Motion carries. Move resolution 22-62. Second. Motion and a second to move resolution 22-62. Uh, short summary, Alicia. Alrighty. Um, so Scott came before us, um, he sent in a letter, um, and he's asking for an all alcoholic beverages uh, package store license. Um, and this is um, in excess of our current quota. So currently we have eight uh, beer and wine package store license and seven 
um, all alcohol licenses. And the eighth one was actually granted to Scott in 2020 um, as an additional. And we did, we went through the same process. Um, He's also in this audience today. If you have any additional questions for him, um, or okay. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome. <coughs> Thank you. Questions from the council. Council Frangelo. I got a quizzical look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to confirm, you, you said we've done this before? Yes. So in 2020, he petitioned for an additional one for beer and wine. Um, so it was the same process, but for a beer and wine license. Um, and that's what he currently has. Um, and he's looking to upgrade it to all alcohol. Do, do you have any sense of how other communities handle such, uh, you know, do, do they get requests for? Going in excess of the quota? Attorney Sorrell? It's a very common practice. Uh, the legislature, uh, a lot of you exposed to them, you'll realize that's a lot of their business is hanging out additional alcohol like so. Okay. <laughs> Focus on energy. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Councilor DeLocco. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair, uh, to Scott. Um, you just give us a little background on why you want to go to a full liquor license? Well, I mean, the market has changed to a, what they call RTDs, ready to drink alcohols. Mm -hmm. And um, even Truly this week came out with one, which was one of the biggest salsa companies. They came out with a vodka based one. And that's where the market is trending to go right now. It's hurting mm -hmm. the wine business, the beer, and the salsa business. Mm -hmm. So now you're at a disadvantage. I could repeat a couple of Saturdays ago, I worked out front. 15 people before 11 o'clock already came in looking for them and left without purchasing anything. So you're talking like the high noons? And yes, high noons. Trulies and Trulies. All the well, they came out with like one, that. but um, Malibu has one. All the liquor companies basically have one, <coughs> or several brands. Mm -hmm. So, so Scott gave me a, uh, actually gave me a, a list of like 10 pages of stuff you can't sell. And that's just one vendor too. That's just one in it. A lot of it is in Council Jello probably could go can probably contain this. When I was young, I would you know, twenty five I was just a bad drink at slits and paps. Nowadays <laughs> nowadays that's gone. You know, I mean they're all onto the high noons and stuff. It's pretty it's really so in my son's your age and I know the same thing. But uh, yeah, so um I can see where he's going, and he's um, and I, I have been down the store, and he's going to switch everything up front, like the candies and stuff, so so the young kids will not be walking back <laughs> past liquor or anything like that. So, um, Attorney Sorrell, Mr. Chair. So just to clarify, because it was alluded to, we did this process before. We we're asking the legislature or authority for us to issue the license. So to give you the authority, then you will post a separate public hearing oh, and take up the okay. specifics at that time. So this is not an automatic license issuance from the legislature. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Attorney Sunil. Councilor Sunil. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, 
Ruffle and go out or you're dating yourselves from the shores of the There's about four people in this room that remember. I've seen a couple of them laughing over here. Councillor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just a point of through to either town lawyer, town council, or to the person requesting this. Will this include an additional um, list of items that would include NIPS? So you currently sell NIPS? No, I don't. Okay, so this will include NIPS? Yes. All right, so well, we also include vodka or gin and stuff like that. Anything that's within the package to a license right. that would yes. give him the authority, uh, right. again, once you get the head the, of the hearing. The reason I ask, I understand how it works, because it's certainly not the first time I've seen this, is that the sale of NIPS, one of the, one of the most uh, annoying things about litter in this town is the ridiculous amount of NIPS litter that's generated, specifically around the town commons and other area like that. It, my issue, my only issue with this is the uh, ad ad additional potential that this would continue to contribute to that litter issue. Um, I've never been a big, I've never been a big fan of those little NIPS for that, for that simple reason. Uh, I think in all honesty, you can buy some bigger bottle or bigger port um, what's the point of selling the next ultimately just to take a sip, drink, you know, quick drink, or toss them out the windows and contribute to the litter. I'm not 100% in support of this for that one reason, really. It's, it's, um, I think we have plenty of places in the town that, that currently offer this level of alcohol. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor Hamilton. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I have a, a question for uh, maybe the town attorney or the administrator. So this is a plus one license. So um, is this license then, so this is the, a beer and wine license now, right? And, and if, um, if we change it, if it gets changed to an all liquor license, this is, is still the same license, it's still the, the only plus one, like there's not gonna be another plus one beer and wine license. Um, so, so, so the, the <laughs> distinction is when, although as I alluded to, the legislature has been very liberal in granting additional licenses on these kinds of special permits, they're not exactly the same as your quota licenses. They're generally restricted. At one time when I first started practicing, they were restricted to the person, the applicant himself, and when they ceased doing business or ceased, the license ceased to exist. So they're restricted to the location. So if you read, if you actually read this all through, you would see that it makes provision for the fact, or acknowledges the fact he's already got a beer and wine, that will simply cease to exist if he's granted mm -hmm. the alcohol during the legislation. And um, is, are these licenses, this plus one license transferable? Only at that location. Those, if you sold the business at that location, the legislation again would allow the transfer. Does the legislation ever allow two extra, like plus two, or is it only one extra license? There's no, I've, I've seen them grant very large numbers of these <coughs> specialized licenses. Okay. It's part of economic development, frankly, communities that are, that are trying to rehabilitate and increase that kind of uh, 
restaurant in that experience. Mm -hmm. So there's no limitation on how many a particular municipality can They can petition for, anybody right. can petition for that. Okay. Jamie might have something to add. So like uh, maybe five or six years ago, the city of Boston has been at its quota for decades, and they literally have to go through this every single time. They have a Boston Licensing Commission. Like four, five, six years ago, in a massive economic development bill that was put out at the end of the session, they gave the city of Boston 50 extra licenses. Um, the issue is, is that it sounds easy to do. Um, in the legislature will be next week, it's more difficult than you think because once one, once one town <coughs> wants 10 licenses, every town wants 10 right. licenses. Of course. And, then it, and then it dilutes, obviously, some of the issues. So traditionally, the legislature has stood with, with extenuating circumstances like the city of Boston. Outside of that, they traditionally have not just given an extra town 20 licenses <coughs> or whatever. Right, because then the concentration of liquor establishments is just too much for one community. Right, okay, thank you for clarifying. Do I have a question for Scott? Thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, so we um, approved the, the plus one beer and wine for you. Um, I think you've sort of explained why you would like to change it over. Do you have anything else to add? Well, I just I provide a, a one stock um, shopping for the community in my neighborhood. Like they come in on Saturdays, get the sandwiches, go to the beach, they come in looking for a high noon, for example, now you have to leave and go somewhere else. So that was one of the big issues on that issue. Okay, thank you for the clarification. Thank, thank you, you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Chandler. <coughs> How are you, Mr. Chairman? Um, Tom, Mr. what do we do for our next um, full liquor license? You mean uh, the review of the numbers? Like the quote? Uh, like when we reach that another mm -hmm. five, every 5,000 we get Probably not going to get there. We're not going to get there. Probably not going to get there because it's 35,000. You do them every 10 oh, years and the town didn't eclipse the 35,000. We did this last sentence. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That was my question. There. Um, and also, there was a liquor license at this store before mm -hmm. and it was right. sold off. Right. Yeah. Okay. So now we want to. Mm -hmm. And there'll be two liquor stores. Two full liquor stores, pretty close to each other, and the only the only thing I don't like about this is that with two regular liquor stores so close to that school crosswalk, everyone thinks that you know that was um, that's the only problem. I mean that that's a tough one there. Um, through you to the town attorney. Since this is a special license, this isn't an ABCC um, that you can um, fight this? They don't go through the approval process. When it comes back, they'll be treated like a regular license. It will be. Okay. So then you, if it didn't get turned out, you would have an opportunity to do They have oversight. oversight. Okay. But the, the legislation, get, and, and the general law gives you discretion on whether or not to grant a license. That's why. When he did it the first time, we drafted it. At that time, he had an attorney, and we worked together on it so that it would be, be the public would have an opportunity for input, and it would simply be the opportunity for you to consider and take public input and then make a decision rather than have it be a foregone conclusion on the basis of a home rule petition that does not require prior notice to the public in the area, and so there wouldn't be a surprise to people. 
if, he, if the legislation passes, there'll be a public hearing, notice to a part of publication in the newspaper, and so then at that point you can vet all the issues. Right, so some of these issues I brought up. Yeah. yeah. So now some of the better stuff. <laughs> Scott, I voted fully for you one last time, and I know you run a great business there. Thank you. Thank you. You really do. Um, so I just, I want you to, whatever else can help you to stay in business, you know. I don't know a lot about these things either, because I was thinking like it was the white cause and all that stuff, but that's not what it is. No. Right, so I'm learning a little something here too, the RTDs. I'll be in your basement with those. You <laughs> <laughs> still can't get slit to bets. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna vote in favor of this right now. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chen. And just so everybody understands, what the, what we are voting tonight just takes it to the legislature. And then if it's approved by them, then it would come back to us and we'd have a whole other uh, run at it, so to speak. Any other questions from the council? Seeing none, uh, the vote will come on the motion and it's a majority roll call vote. Uh, to approve resolution 22-62. All those in favor? Oh. Oh, wait a minute. You want to speak? Yeah, sure. Did you have a comment? Sure. So my name is uh, Kronal Contractor. I'm here with my father. Thank you. I'm here with my father, Kronal Contractor, and my wife, Carol. Uh, we own the Lincoln Street Market. Mm -hmm. uh, mentioning that down the road there's a gas station yeah. and uh, we've been there since uh, 2013 our family is running working every day 10 hours a day now in 2019 there was a place down the road this is liquor mm -hmm. uh, that liquor store was not doing good and the owner decides decided to sell the license so we paid extra money we took the loan so the license stay in the community now uh, the new license is that uh, Mr. Scott is applying. He already have a beer and wine. Now he's, he's just a 0.3 mile from us. And, uh, we are already meeting communities need the neighborhood. There is no need for extra full package store that can be next to each other. There are multiple streets that may have uh, available space. They need a package store, but not disclose. So I'm here to request not to grant okay. with my family. Okay. Thank you. Is there anyone else that yeah. would like to speak? Good evening, gentlemen. My name is Pramod Contractor. My son explained that run this business we uh, run it. Actually, I have a heart problem and I have a heart transplant. Though I am running the business, and right now my heart is working on the battery. <laughs> and I have run this business at the 72. So it's a very close to my business. And I don't think there is a more, more any necessity of hard labor that we think. So please, otherwise we, can, we can't survive. Right now we are doing good with the community. There is no complaint at all. Everybody likes us. So if possible, and already you gave the beer wine license to this guy in 2019 or 20. So if you, it is my request not to issue this hard liquor license. Thank you. 
Thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience? Okay, seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-62 and a majority votes required and because Councilor Frangillo is now uh, on at the meeting remotely, uh, oh. this will need to be a roll call vote. Uh, all the votes the rest of the evening will need to be roll called. So clerk would call the roll, please. Yeah. Is he present? Yep. Yep. Sheridan? No. No. Ledger. Corwin Ledger? Yes. Uh, Chandler? Yes. Crangillo? Yes. Allegri? Can I get a clarification before the vote? We're not voting this right now. We're only for the legislation. It'll be coming back to us to vote. Yes. All right. We just. This isn't granting a license. This is not granting a license. So for that reason, I vote yes. Hamlin? No. Jones? No. DeLarco? Yes. Mercer? Yes. Motion carries. Thank you. Okay, bylaw amendment 22-884, chapter 170, vehicles and traffic, article 4. Stopping, standing, and parking, subsection 170-15, parking prohibitions and limitations, D, parking prohibited, downtown parking map. This is the first reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is bylaw amendment 22-884, chapter 170, vehicles and traffic. Bylaw to amend the code of the town of Franklin, chapter 170, vehicles and traffic at Article 4, stopping, standing, and parking, subsection 170-15, parking prohibitions and limitations D, parking prohibited. Be it enacted by the Franklin Town Council that chapter 170 of the code of the town of Franklin, vehicles and traffic, Article 4, stopping and standing and parking, subsection 170-15, parking prohibitions and limitations D, parking prohibited, is hereby amended as follows. Subsection 170-15, parking prohibitions and limitations. No person shall stand or park any vehicle at any time. A, upon streets or parts thereof where such a prohibition is posted. B, at bus stops, except buses, and no person shall park a bus within business district in any place other than a bus stop where a nearby bus stop is available. C, at a taxi stand, except taxi cabs and no person shall park a taxi cab upon any street within <coughs> business district in any place other than the taxi stand designated for use by this taxi cab or taxi cabs except while engaged or while waiting for the opportunity to use that taxi cab this is the change to d parking prohibited downtown parking district boundaries are those contained on map captioned downtown parking district prepared by the town of franklin engineering department dated july 13 2016 and revised through the effective date of this legislation, the original of which is on file with the town clerk and a copy of which is appended here too as an attachment one, prohibitions and limitations on the streets and contained within the districts as shown on said map. This bylaw amendment shall become effective on and after July 1st, 2023. The map currently on file with the town clerk as most recently revised shall remain in effect 
until July 1st, 2023. Move bylaw amendment 22-884 to a second reading. Second. Motion, motion in the second. Discussion, Jamie. Uh, through you, Mr. Chairman. So the next four items on the council agenda are all interrelated <coughs> relative to downtown parking. Um, these are all proposals that were endorsed by the EDC at a meeting a couple of weeks ago. Um, and this has been a discussion that uh, the EDC has had on several meetings throughout the year. And just a reminder, um, the downtown parking lots in particular um, are on the town administrator and town. No, Dell, I don't want your features, um, uh, especially right now. Uh, but these, this is a goal uh, on the list for the council and the town administrator for this year. I'm going to do absolutely the best I can to summarize this very quickly. Between the current map, which is up <coughs> over there, uh, actually, if we could flip one of the other things over, and then the new map. So I want to assure everybody between the two, the current district and the new one, everything that is in red with no parking is exactly the same and there were no changes at all. The no parking zones were created mainly on the original map from either town engineers, the DPW, or the police as areas where the roads were too narrow or the, cur or the turn radius wasn't enough for public safety. So there was nothing changed in terms of the no parking areas on the map. If there are no colors, you can park freely wherever you want. There are no restrictions, there's no regulations, there's nothing. None of that has changed either. The blue color, which is two hour parking, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on most of the residential feeder streets, uh, there used to be two colors in two zones. One was from 8 a.m. to, I believe it was noon, moments 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. We have merged all of those residential streets to 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday with no other restrictions. Those were largely at the time areas that were trying to prevent either Dean College students or commuters from stashing their cars on certain roads all day during the week. We've heard, I've heard very little feedback or complaints about all of those, about the, the, the blue and purple areas. So just for simplicity of signage and for consistency in the entire district, those two are merged into one area. Um, and really those three, Mr. Chairman, those three categories that I just mentioned have really had wide public support and really no issues. So I just wanna make sure that most of the map that's here has really been, with, uh, has been very uh, well received from the public. The two areas that uh, are changed um, or the one area really on the map is downtown commercial on both Main Street and East Central Street. As I mentioned at the last meeting, the council did approve this zone earlier this year, but the bill did not get to a second reading as we had more discussions with the stakeholders and eventually arrived. The EDC proposal was one hour parking on those strips, but the EDC did change and the proposal before you tonight is two hour parking on Main Street and East Central Street. This is designed to try to get maximum rotation of cars and to try to get, we've heard many complaints through the years of cars being stashed. The new zone would be 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., two hour parking, Monday through Saturday, and there would be no overnight parking allowed on that strip, which I think has been the chief complaint, as he has bobbing. Yes that many people have been concerned about. So I think Monday through Saturday, and then Sunday of course is free, just yeah. like most districts have free and open parking with no, no restrictions. 
So again, just Main Street, just East Central Street, on just that area, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., two-hour parking, Monday through Saturday, no overnight. Some people have said to me, and I understand the argument, 6 p.m. Well, if you park at 4, you get your two hours, and then from 6 p.m. to midnight, you got free parking anyway. So ultimately, that zone is actually further extended for parking purposes on Main Street and East Central Street. The next piece uh, that we have added to the map um, are the, uh, are the uh, parking lots um, in terms of the spaces. The main goal and the main problem that we've seen is that commuting has dissipated quite a bit. It's almost non-existent. And so we used to sell out in Depot and Ferrara Street for those lots all of those spaces used to be occupied by either commuters or merchants. And in real earnest, it was really one merchant that was actually taking up almost all of the merchant spaces. Um, almost 20 of the 24, I believe, was taken up by one merchant. Um, at, obviously, from the pandemic, the MBTA and merchants need, everybody needs less parking spaces. Um, and so we've, uh, we've, we've brought forth a proposal which will be in the bylaws uh, later on, but does quickly relate to this map. We've outlined the lots that are owned or leased by the town on this map to be clear about how many spaces and the regulation. And what we've put on here for Depot Street, the town does own this lot. Most people you know, know that. What most people don't know is the Ferrara's lot below, the town does not own that. We lease that. So I just want to make sure everybody, because there's been a lot of questions coming in on this. The library parking lot up uh, off of uh, Main Street, we do not own that. The town does not own that. Dean College owns it. The town has a, it's certainly a lifelong lease on that space. And then I added to the map as well, which uh, was at the recommendation of the staff, the Davis-Stair parking, because the town now officially owns the Davis-Stair parcel. So we needed at least the regulation of no overnight parking at Davis there, otherwise you'll have 55 spaces occupied every day with people parking there overnight. Yep. So what we've done on the map for this, for this vote right now, Mr. Chairman, is that we've only labeled on here, we'll get to the merchant and the fees and the rates and all that stuff later, but for the purpose of this map, the main changes are East Central and, 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 and Main Street, and then we've put no overnight parking from midnight to 6 a.m all four of the least owned parking lots within downtown to make sure that the lots are cleaned out and there's nobody stashing their cars there all weekend, all night. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Questions or comments from the council? Council Chandler, physical look. Yeah. <laughs> so you just explained all four of the bylaws at once? Yeah. A little, I didn't get, I, I explained stopped. this one fully and just touched on some of the others so we didn't have to repeat. Okay. It was a little confusing. Okay. It was. Um, so, quick question on this map. We did not, did we add a handicap spot? Mr. Chairman, yes. Two. Two. Right here on the depot lot on one side, and then the other side would be closest to Depot Street, and another one would be placed. On the corner of the app. Thank you, that was helpful. I'd be very happy about that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Councillor Chandler. Any other councillors? Councillor Joe. I was going to say that we added two handicap parking but you asked the question. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think, 
I think in all honesty, one of the major points that came out of the EDC was the fact that um, this this was probably in all the years that we've been talking about parking, that this is by far probably one of the best plans I've seen come across our desk. With the exception of a little bit of debate in regards to how much time the spaces should be right on Main Street and on, on uh, East Central Street, we all kind of came to the same conclusion that two hours seemed reasonable. And um, this is a great plan. I 100% endorse these parking spaces. And, Thank you. I think, I think everyone around for hours would be, be nice to get this back. Thank you, Councillor Jones. Councillor Pellegrini. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I want to make sure I'm reading it right. Note that this map was revised by the EDC to reflect two-hour parking, right? Mm -hmm. On Main Street and East Central Street. We already have no parking, I mean, two-hour parking on Dean Avenue. And it's not being followed. And I'm not talking, I spoke to the chief tonight already. There are some cars there that are just being stubborn and they're parking all day. And I know for a fact because I've checked it. And they've been spoken to and still not being tagged. So what makes us think we're gonna tag these people on Main Street and East Central Street? Perhaps this is the time, and I'm encouraging the police department that we may need to have a parking clerk that would be, who could we call that person? I don't know. Parking clerk. Parking control officer. Parking control officer, thank you. That's what we need. We do, we do. But if we're gonna make bylaws, then we have to have someone that's going to enforce them. So please keep that in mind, everyone, when we vote for something like this. You can vote for anything you want, but if it's not going to be followed through, it's a waste of time. It really is. And a waste of our time going through all of this. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank and you. I on this one here yeah. first. Thank you, Council Pellegrini. Council Dorco. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, I was thinking the same thing. How, you, how, how we're going to control it, but I, I've been driving around town, and on East Central Street, I've seen, I've seen the cars tagged there. So, and, and uh, so I, I've seen them tagged a few times down there. But I've been going down East Central Street to, you know, deliver oil and stuff like that, and, and, and I have seen, I have seen them tagged. So I want to bring that up. Chief. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So I just asked Lieutenant Riley, who's in the audience as well, who runs the operations division, which is the mock uh, patrol offices that are out there on the street, how many tickets did we do in September? Pocket tickets. He said over 100. You know, for a fact, it was over 100. You know, we a lot of them have been handed out around. You know, not every day you're going to go out, you're going to see it, because the sector car might have went on a call. It was a little bit more important than having the right parking fines. It's just it is what it is. Uh, there are two. It's two hours, so you got to go by, and then you have to go by after two hours. Could be three hours. Could be four hours. Um, but they're doing the best they can in this and that. But do we have a dedicated individual? No, I rolled that into a patrol officer's position. All right, it wasn't enough for a full patrol officer's position, but it was enough to get us over the top with a few other kind of maneuvers that we were able to do so that we could go from 53 to 54, which we need. Um, we're doing, you know, again, we do the best we can. I know <coughs> Lieutenant Riley doesn't like hearing it from me on a daily basis. Make sure you go down there and hammer them, you know, and I'm sure that he's getting the same feedback from, you know, his troops that, hey, we're trying to do the best we can, Lieutenant, but you also want us to do all the, 
speeding enforcement that everybody wants, and so forth and so on. So uh, that's all. I'm just you, you are going to see times where a car has not been tagged that probably should have been tagged, and it's not that we don't want to do it. It's just we haven't been able to get to it. You haven't caught Councilor Delarco speeding on Washington Street. We're trying. We're going to move that guy. He's, he's, a, he he's a slippery son. Thank you. Uh, okay, questions? Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, this is more a question, I think, to the town administrator, but uh, uh, some of the parking issues obviously come up a lot, you know, in certain areas, particularly around Dean. And I did notice a pretty lengthy thread through one of our town social media pages today that talked about they were legal parking spaces, but there was no signage for residents to move trash and recycle receptacles. So therefore, the parking spaces are basically blocking where people put out their trash. Is it possible that that could be incorporated into a sign or something on trash day so that those residents don't have to find alternate means for their trash, but we can still keep those parking spaces. Through you, Mr. Chairman, um, it's a good question. I mean, at some point, and I, I do not mean this to come across snarky, but those are legal spots where those cars were parked. Um, I think it's kind of like city life, we have to just figure out today we have trash and maybe move it a few feet over if there's gonna be cars parked there. Whether it was a Dean College student or a relative or another friend that went over, the car is still parked in front of the trash. And, and I think to some degree we have to all modify our behavior. And instead of putting up more signs and directives, do this, do that, um, and the reason why I say that is to the Chief's point a minute ago and in, in the comments I embedded in the memo, talk about investments that I think this town council is gonna have to look at in the next year's budget relative to speeding. <coughs> I get complaints every day about it, not bar none. Every single day there are emails, phone calls, yelling and screaming about more signage, people blowing off signage. <laughs> they're not, they're just, they're just, people are just, whatever the system is, so I think to some degree we have to kind of live and learn. Um, we've already striped off the area, um, so I, I, I can talk to the town engineer about some more signs, um, but I think the residents down there are gonna have to also realize that there may be, there may be people, whether they're, regardless of where they're from, uh, they may have to just adjust where they move the trash. Or we could have Brutus send out another voicemail. If you're in the day. And I and I agree I agree with you that people have to adjust and you know modify, but at the same time the particular homes in place happen to be a lot of seniors and they bring their trash out where they've been bringing their trash out forever. So maybe in the community meetings coming up that yeah. we're gonna be having with Dean, this can be discussed and maybe it just becomes part of the culture that maybe the dean kids would, you know, maybe help move those over for those residents yeah. just to be good neighbors. But I think I just, that's I a really just, good I just idea wanted to too. bring it up as a as a point because people are talking about it and, and concerned. So I think you. that's the winning idea. I, I think that that type of model, just asking for some uh, community bonding, if you will, yeah. trying to help each other out, just courtesy. And courtesy. Yes. Thank you. I mean, I would think if I parked in front of someone's trash, I would immediately think, oh, how are they gonna get their trash collected yeah. if my car's here? 
but if you're a busy college kid, you're running off to class, you might not stop and think that. And now the resident, the trash is going right by and not having any way to grab it. So anyway, just food for thought. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Cormier Ledger. Councilor Frangillo. Yes, thank you. Uh, and thank you um, for, for bringing these uh, changes forward and, and for listening to, to EDC and uh, the, the people that came before the EDC. Uh, I, I think that this does so much good. Um, I, about, if anything, I would go further than um, what, what's been provided, but I think we'll um, have time to. I, I really would love to see a residential parking permit uh, incorporated as we continue to not make um, our, our downtown uh, properties add more parking uh, to the already abundant parking that we have. Uh, my one uh, change to what's in front of us today, or, or, or proposed change, is that similar to what Councilor Cormier Ledger uh, was just speaking to, um, there are going to be things that come up mistakes that we made, uh, changes, abuses that uh, happen, uh, responsiveness to behaviors. Be a waste of uh, the <laughs> counselors. To, uh, uh, continue to be the ones that have to go through three different hearings, often four, for a few months to make a minor modification uh, an hour or to a specific spot or destination. And I really think that um, it, it would uh, be better uh, for us to empower the town administrator in collaboration um, with the Department of, of Planning and Community Development to make changes um, for, for the betterment of the downtown parking district uh, that don't require you know, three public hearings uh, for every change. So I, I have a motion uh, to amend, if I may, uh, which would be adding to the end of the downtown parking district. Um, uh, hang on, hang on, Councilor yeah. Frangillo, just for a second. Attorney he, Sorrell. He can't go beyond what's in the proposed amendment at this time. This is a process for what's in front of you now. You could narrow it, but you can't expand it. You'd have to bring separate legislation. So in other words, if, if Councilor Frangillo is proposing to delegate the authority of some of the time zones that are on here, what the town attorney is saying from a legal perspective, you'd have to bring back a separate piece of legislation for action. You can't, this is a map. So the language change is, is, is a whole different bylaw set that is outside the bounds of what's in front of us right now. Cole, you can propose this, but not in this situation on this uh, resolution or bylaw amendment. Did you understand okay. that? I apologize. I, I couldn't. I couldn't hear uh, Councillor Sorrell. So um, apologies if I, if I missed the directive. I, I think it fits neatly within the current bylaw that we're uh, discussing and matches a move that we're making in ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, according to the town attorney, uh, we can't do that at this juncture. Uh, but with a, a different amendment could, or a different bylaw amendment 
could be brought forward to do exactly what you're suggesting we do, but it would have to be a separate bylaw amendment. Okay. 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 Right. That that's uh, that's how the town attorney has explained it to us. Could could I get a little more understanding? Like, what, how would this look different than uh, adding language that says uh, town administrator is authorized to amend the, uh, the map for the betterment of the downtown parking district? Jamie, through you, through you, uh, Mr. Chairman. So the bylaw is actually about parking. Um, it is actually about parking prohibitions and limitations. Right. Not about authority. If it's been summarized okay. in a map, so for ease of legislation, so we, we put it in a map to try and expedite the process, but it's still referencing what's showing on a map. It's not going to specific authority as between the council and the town administrator. You'd have to add a provision somewhere else in that chapter to accomplish what. Uh, Councilor Frangillo was suggesting. I think, in short, Kobe, uh, I, I don't. Your amendment right. can't be uh, can't be put on this uh, bylaw amendment, but it's certainly something we can discuss going forward. Okay. All right. I'll uh, I'll take your word for that. And I, I, I uh, again, I thank you for for this. I'm in favor of it all, and I uh, I hope that we consider uh, not doing this whole dance. Uh, every time um, we put a parking spot in the uh, right place. You're, you're preaching uh, to the choir here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I certainly don't want to go through three readings no. every single time. No. So, uh, thank you, Kobe. Uh, thank any you. other counselors? I have a quick question. Oh, Councilor Chandler. I, I thought we were on uh, 22884. He was talking about 22885. No, we're on, no. 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 We're on 22884. And right. what he was trying to do, the just told him he can't do. 885, okay. Yeah. He's, he's, he was basically saying, excuse me, he's basically saying, well, you're doing it in this other bylaw, why can't you do it here? But that bylaw is set up differently than this one. Okay. Right. I just want to know we were going in the right order. We, we are going. Um, no, I mean, because I have other things to say. And this is, yeah. the way this was put to us is uh, still, I mean, EDC, I wish you would explain this a little more to us before we had a vote on this. Yeah, I am. <laughs> That's why it's called the chairman out. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else? When we get to the next bylaw, I think. Okay. Any other councilor Hamlet? I really wanted to explain it a little bit to you, Councilor Chandler. Um, thank you. So, so um, I want to thank Lieutenant Riley and um, Chief Lynch and all the town uh, staff for going through this with us. <laughs> Um, this is this is just the map that explains um, we, we're basically we're adding a no overnight parking zone. We did discuss and we added handicap parking to the map. Um, it shows where the um, towns the spaces are now, which um, have fees on them, which we will discuss in the next section. But um, this is just about this. Um, no overnight parking area and um, the and the new handicapped parking spaces and um, we did discuss um, how would we enforce these issues as Councillor Pellegrini mentioned with with the chief and with Jamie 
And I think we're, we are, we all agree that we need to be able to enforce these things that if we put them into the bylaw. Yeah. Um, and it, it was wonderful. There were a lot of people there. And um, we, we took everybody's input and we came up with this map. So I think you'll have, a, there's a lot of people that are, um, who like this, what we've done. Thank you. I had my last question, I promise. <laughs> um, so there's no parking after midnight, is that what you're saying? There's no parking after midnight? No overnight no. parking. That's correct. After yes. Midnight. Okay, so you can park from midnight till what time? No, you can't. You can't, that's what yeah. I'm getting. Right. So, like downtown, eventually I'm going to try and bring some um, establishments down there that are open past midnight. And you're saying there's no parking at 12 o'clock? Do I have that wrong? I agree. I mean, that makes no, what are they all gonna come out of the bars at 12? And we, and we you know, it's not, you're not gonna tell the police not to do their job and ticket them. Well, I think. I mean, how does that work? Thank you. Mm -hmm. Jamie? Excuse me, Mr. Chairman. There's no establishment currently um, right, but but I, I just want to take one step back. Why are we here? This is clearly due to the pandemic. It is. Um, businesses are closed much earlier. The public is not going out to downtown Franklin at one in the morning. Um, I respect the fact that maybe a year or two, it's just like the commuter lots, right? The commuter lots are dead. They're not coming back the way they were two years ago. In a year, two years, three years, four years, it very well is the case that we could be coming back at some point. Um, Councilor Chandler, if you want later than midnight, from midnight to six, say, is the time on the map where there's no parking in downtown. If you want to amend the map to make it 2 a.m. to six, we absolutely could do that. Right, because my, my so was, Or 1 a.m. to six. Wait till, yeah. Or just 1 a.m. to six. But, I, I just think that right now there's there's really literally nothing open. Maybe hang tied till 10. Um, and so I think the sentiment of the community and the folks talking about the issues are really, most of this revolves around daytime and evening, not, it, I, I just think the focus, nobody ever brought up Council Chandler anything about, you know, late night. Well, let yeah, me just, late. I'll just make the quick point. Like box seats is open till one. Like when they were looking to come to town, they would look and say, I can't, I can't rent the spot downtown. There's no parking after 12. Yeah. I mean, we're supposed to be bringing people in, is what I'm getting at. And I think it defeats the whole purpose of what your committee's trying to do. Well, I, if, if I might jump in here for a minute, and we can make it 1 o'clock, we can make it 2 o'clock. Well, it doesn't matter. The issue, I believe the issue with the merchants is not the night merchants. It's the eight o'clock in the morning or the seven o'clock in the morning merchants who do not want car, excuse me, cars there when they open that have parked there all night and may not and come I up until that nine o'clock. I also agree that we want something to go into where Acapulco's was. You know what I mean? That's sure. What sure. So it does make a difference. I yeah. think it makes a difference. And, and all I'm saying is we can make it one or two. Yeah. Well, like I said, last month, amendment. Amendment. Yeah. 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 I will make an amendment, amendment right now. Motion to amend, yes. motion to amend to make it two in the morning. No overnight parking from two to six. Then. Second. Thank you. Discussion on the amendment. I think one. 
Well, what's last call? I think, I think one. It's one. It's one. I, I know it sounds semantics, but I think one o'clock probably be better. Chief, last just so that everybody I can't tell you how many are actually working because I don't want to say it, but there's more working until two than there is after from two o'clock on. Let's put it that way. Okay. The way that the schedule's set up, okay. so that we have a better opportunity to probably enforce it than right. if it was at one o'clock between one and two than it would be after two. I just not want to push businesses away because of totally innocent. I'm just saying from a yeah. from Please. a uh, personnel staffing mm -hmm. levels. It would probably work, and, and like you said, there's nothing open out there. Yeah, you know, it'd be after one. Yeah, so I motion. Yeah. Okay. Discussion. Okay. <coughs> Discussion on the amendment. Uh, Councilor Sherman. I used to stay up to one o'clock last call. That just seems really late now, but I'll vote for it. Any Councilor Jones? Again, to the point of the 6 a.m., that's really the biggest deal is getting it's a lot of the spaces um, is the big deal. So where if everyone agrees on two, then I don't know. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, I think it really is for the early morning to get the, get the people that stay overnight off the road in the morning. Um, but this also goes to the idea of allowing the town administrator to change the times when they fit what the population wants. Um, if we want to go to two, we can go to two. It's okay. Councilor Coney, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just want to support Councilor Chandler's points because I do think if we're going to try to encourage business and they're closing last call at one o'clock, people still have to be allowed time to get to their cars. Staff have to be allowed time to walk up and get to their cars. So I would be in favor of two o'clock. There's really no excuse why they can't get to their car by two. So that the businesses can be open and ready to go at, at eight. So thank you. Councilor Frangelo. Just gonna say I love it, Councilor Chandler. It was a great catch, a great addition, and as Councilor Amblin said, just more evidence that we should allow our town administration to be more responsive to, uh, you know, the needs of the, of the district. Thank you. Okay, any further discussion on the amendment? Okay, roll call vote on the amendment. Clerk will call the roll. Well, this is just the first reading anyways, isn't it? Yeah, it still has to be roll call vote because we have the remote. Oh, right. Thanks, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sharon. Yes. Jenna. Yes. Angelo. Yes. Pellegrini. Yes. Amber. Yes. Jones. Yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. Nine zero sir. Okay, man. Just, just to note that this is a, this, this is to amend. Yeah, it's yeah, amend. Yeah, just to amend. Uh, no, twenty-two. Now, now, now it's, we are. Let now. me handle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just did. <laughs> we will now vote on the bylaw amendment twenty-two dash eight eight four as amendment. Right. 
Second. Move, <laughs> move bylaw amendment 22-84 as amended to a second reading. Second. second. Motion and a second. Discussion on the motion. Council of Pelegri. I'm looking at uh, 22-884. I don't see anywhere in this bylaw that it has times. What am I missing? It's on the map. On the it's map. on the map. But it's not in the bylaw. The map's referenced. In the bylaw. Where's telling me that, that it's the map's? Um, the very end. Through you, Mr. Chairman, uh, item D, um, 170.15, parking prohibitions and limitations. Alicia, excellent job. Parking <laughs> prohibited, item D, downtown parking district boundaries. Are those contained, uh, map, caption, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. On file with the town clerk. It's right here. The map. And the map is what has the times on it? Yeah, it's right at the top. If you look, if you go over to the paper copy, Council Pellegrini, yeah, you'll see right at the top, so downtown parking district. Oh, thank you. Wouldn't have been easier to put it in the bylaw. Do you, Mr. Chairman? Actually, six years ago, the council voted to take all that out of the bylaw <laughs> and put it into a map that was easier to understand. I, I understand that. Well, everybody voted for that six years ago. It was easy to amend and to go through line by line as we do with a lot of the other street signs and things like that. That's how it was set up. We right. took a whole section out of here. 20 pages. Simplified. <laughs> Sometimes when we simplify things, it makes it more difficult to understand. But I, that I council see what you're saying. That. That I was see the what council you're at saying. the time wanted to do it that any other, any other questions or comments? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to move bylaw amendment 22-884 as amended to a second reading. A majority votes required. Clerk will call the roll. Sheridan. Yes. Formula electric. Yes. Angelo. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Hamblin. Yes. Allegri. Yes. John Jess, Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. Motion carries. Bylaw Amendment 22-885, Chapter 170, Vehicles and Traffic, Subsection 170-20, Additional Regulations, Violations, and Penalties. First reading, clerk will read the Bylaw Amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Bylaw Amendment 22-885. Chapter 170, Vehicles and Traffic, you're allowed to amend the Code of the Town of Franklin to Chapter 170, Section 20, uh, additional regulations, violations, and penalties. Be it enacted by the Franklin Town Council that Chapter 170, the Code of the Town of Franklin is amended at Section 20, additional regulations, violations, and penalties as follows. Subsection 170-20, additional regulations, violations, and penalties. Town Administrator is hereby authorized and directed to establish parking permit spaces in such parking zones as are hereby specified, or as may be here and after fixed by amendment and to indicate the same by white markings on the surface of the highway or the designated parking area. Parking permit spaces within the established parking zones may be assigned or reassigned by the town administrator from time to time to different uses as permitted by this subsection 170-20 or to different lengths of use. Uh, B, 
B has been, the original B has been deleted. C has also been deleted and revised. Uh, B states the town administrator is hereby authorized and directed to set the user fees for all municipal parking lots. Uh, D, the original D is now changed to C. Uh, and the remainder of it reads, parking prohibited of certain commercial vehicles in residential districts. It shall be unlawful for any resident or any owner, agent, operator, or person to charge of any bus, semi-trailer, trailer, motor, truck, tractor. I don't have to that. Uh, Attorney Sorelli. <coughs> feeling summarized, it was uh, all the specifics were stricken, and the town administrator was given the authority to set user fees, and the language the contrary was stricken. And then it was renumbered. Go ahead. Ready? Yeah. Moved by law amendment 22 885 to a second reading. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion on the motion. Jamie? Uh, through you, Mr. Chairman, this is, as Mark summarized it well, um, the next bylaw, which had to be separate, the next one after this one, proposes to strike the dedicated merchant and commuter spaces. The One of the biggest complaints I know all of you get, and I get, is nobody can park in the downtown Depot Street or Ferrara's lots unless you're a commuter or a merchant. Yeah. You're one or the other, and you buy a quarterly pass for $180 a quarter. What we're proposing deep in the packet is to actually get kiosks, Flowbird kiosks, which allow change, cash, credit card, and app on a daily fee rate. The issue is, is that if you charge $3 a day to park for a commuter, and you're a shopper, and you come in and go out to lunch, you know, and, and shop around downtown for two or three hours, the rate is then prorated in the system. So somebody can pay 50 cents for, or a dollar. So you can't really have structured rates because you're end up having a prorated system because you don't want somebody to pay for an hour for $3, you know, it, it's fair. So uh, in lieu of actually having a specific merchant <coughs> space or commuter only space, the spaces are now open to everybody on a first come, first serve basis. And it will likely be as the current rate, it's $3 a day. You can't go in there and park for $3 a day. You have to pay $180 a quarter. Commuters called the police department and us as well and said, I don't work five days in Boston anymore. I work two days in Boston. I just want to park for two days. I don't want to pay for five days a week for three months. I just want to pay for the days that I'm going into Boston and commuting. I want to also note at $3 a day, that is half the price of what the MBTA charges in the lot down near the train station in downtown. So I'm sure many people have questions. That's about as quick of an overview as I can give. Thank you. Questions? Councilor Blake. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Through you. I thought that the council was the only body that could set fees. And we're turning this over now to the town administrator to set fees. So something's wrong here. Attorney Sorrell. It's because the bylaw bylaw or bylaws specify that the council sets the fees. So if you, you the put, this, you the put this language in, you certainly have the authority to delegate. That's it's not like a charter provision or something. No, I know it's not a charter provision, Mike. 
But I'm saying um, fees were always voted on by the town council. Well, you can choose to keep that system, but you don't have to. Well, it's not etched in stone anymore. You can make exceptions to it, which is what's being proposed here. And how, how did we change to allow the town administrator to set fees rather we, we than did, the town? We didn't change. It, we're doing, that's what's being asked right now. That red line, that red line on B. It's not all fees, correct? It's not all fees. It's, it's, it's only fee just here. the parking. I just don't think any fees. I think all the fees should come through the town council. Okay. I Town Council. I mean, come on, that's our responsibility. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Any other questions, Councilor Hamblin? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, so, this is about a fee, like for the for the parking. So we've opened up the parking downtown so that everyone can go there, mm -hmm. um, but we still have to instead of charging one hundred eighty dollars for um, for a quarter. We will, we have to decide how much we're gonna charge for this kiosk that's gonna go in there. And I think you even mentioned it, Councilor Pellegrini, that you don't wanna hear about every little tiny thing that we have to change all the time. And this will definitely be something that needs to be adapted and worked on and tried to figure out. So, um, so that's why we thought it would be a good idea for the town administrator to at least work on how do we figure out how we charge and what's the best way to start. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yeah. Um, that's fine that the, the town administrator can certainly figure out what it would cost and all, but then it comes back to us for us to decide, yes, we want to do that and no, we don't want it that much. It's our responsibility. That's what we were voted for. We were voted in for, excuse me. Okay, any further questions or comments? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to move bylaw amendment 22-885 to a second reading. Uh, a majority vote's required, but because uh, Councilor Frangillo uh, remote, we are roll call. Clerk will call the roll. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Electric. Yes. <coughs> Charity. Yes. Chandler. No. Rangelo. Yes. Pellegri. No. Hamlin. Yes. Jones. No. Delorco. No. Mm. Uh, Chairman. Yes. Right, Mr. Chairman, it's five to four, sir. Oh. Five to five four. Motion carries to a second reading. Okay, bylaw amendment 22-886, chapter 82, <coughs> fees, municipal service, subsection 82-6, subsection K, police. First reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is bylaw amendment 22-886, chapter 82, municipal service fees. Bylaws amend the Code of the Town of Franklin in Chapter 82, Section 82-6, Subsection K, Police, be enacted by the Franklin Town Council that Chapter 82 of the Code of Town of Franklin is amended at Section 82-6, Schedule Service 80, Subsection K, Police, 
by redacting municipal parking lot permits and the respective fees as set out below. Uh, the changes in subsection 8-6 scheduled service fees. Uh, there are parking permits that have been deleted off of this list to reflect the downtown merchant employee municipal lot fees of $180 per quarter and the community rail municipal parking of $180 per quarter. Um, this bylaw amendment shall be effective in accordance with the provisions of the Franklin Move bylaw amendment 22-886 to a second reading. Second. Discussion, Jamie. Mr. Chairman, all this uh, to, to the council, the only vote that's being taken on this is to strike out the $180 per quarter parking permit out of the fee schedule for the yes, That's it. Okay. Everybody understand that? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, discussion? Council of Once again, we're taking it out, and that's fine because it's our responsibility to do that. But we're putting nothing in there. Is that correct? That's correct. So right now, after this, when it passes, downtown merchants employee municipal lot, there's no charge for them. Right. Because we'll have nothing here. So the kiosk is Attorney Sorrell. So this is to move it to a second reading. At that time, yeah. in my opinion, you're going to have to reconcile your votes on the second reading of the prior bylaw and this one and decide exactly how you want the two to work together or not. But this is just to <coughs> and keep your options on the table. So is this prematurely done? Should we be taking no, this No, because it, it takes two readings to do it. Yes, but I mean, until we find out about the kiosk and what it's going to cost us and all. We know, through we know exactly what everything's going to cost. You know already? Oh, yeah. So why didn't we add it in here? Mr. Chairman, through you. Through you, Mr. Chairman. So I think one of the challenges in the kiosks, again, right now, the $180 per quarter is a fee that was, that was accumulated when there was more, way more demand than supply at $3 a day. I think it was five years ago the council raised the parking fee from 120 per quarter to 180 per quarter. Mm -hmm. And that was like in 2016 or 17, right? And so in lieu of there being a fee in here, I will then put out and set the rate when the machines arrive. I just want to also clarify, which I don't think I've said or anybody else has said, all of these resolutions are not going to go effect until next July. Because to order the kiosks is a four to five month lead time. Then we have to actually hook them up with the treasurer collector. There's software affiliated with it. Brutus is also going to take about two months to probably redo all of the signs in downtown. So even though you're voting now, I need these votes to be able to order the kiosks and do all the other stuff. Because it's going to take five or six months. It, you know, If I get the machines in February, I can't install them. I've got to wait till the ground falls. So when I set the rate, which will likely be $3, then that will be the rate, and then the kiosks will prorate it. So if you go at 6 a.m. and you're a commuter, you pay your $3, you have the whole day. But if you go into the parking lot at 3 p.m. and you go to park, you might only get charged 75 cents. So I don't even know what the rate could possibly be because the machine is gonna end up prorating it so somebody doesn't overpay all day. I hope. I hope that answers the question. You still have the floor. Then let me ask you this. Um, why at the end of the bylaw, like we always have, 
The bylaw amendment shall become effective according to the provisions of the Franklin Home Rule Charter, which is 14 days. So this becomes effective in 14 days. That's, that would be, I thought there was in here on July 1st, the other resolutions do. So you could amend this to say effective July 1st, 2020. Well, these are the things that should have been done. That's why I said, is this premature that it's coming to us? Through you, Mr. Chairman, I am working with the staff to try to put together a very complicated set of dynamics. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, excuse me, you're absolutely right. And I appreciate all of that. And on bylaw 879, it does say become effective yeah, July yeah. 1st, 23. But these so, others don't. They say according to the Home Rule Charter, which is 14 days. We can certainly uh, yeah, make a motion to amend this one to deal with this one, right? I'd like to make a motion to amend <laughs> to amend bylaw amendment 22-886 to include will be effective starting July 1st, 2023. Second. Motion and second. Discussion on the motion? Seeing none, roll call vote. Jared? Yes. Tommy Ledger? Yes. Angelo? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Hamlin? Yes. Allegri? Yes. Jones? Yes. Vice Chair? Yes. Chair? Yes. 9 0 for Motion carries. Move bylaw amendment 22 886 as amended to a second reading. Second. Motion in the second. Discussion on the motion. Seeing none, clerk will call the roll. Call me Ledger? Yes. Sheridan? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Rangelo? Yes. Allegri? Yes. Hamlin? Yes. Jones? Yes. Vice Chair? Yes. 9 0, sir. Chair? Yes. Motion carries. Bylaw Amendment 22 879, Chapter 170, Vehicles and Traffic, Appendix A, Fines, Parking Violations, First Reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. All right, Mr. Chairman, this is uh, Bylaw Amendment 22-879, a bylaw to amend the Code of Town of Franklin at Chapter 170, Vehicles and Traffic, uh, Appendix A, Fines, be enacted by the Franklin Town Council, at Chapter 170, Vehicles and Traffic, Appendix A, Fines to the Code of Town of Franklin, is amended as follows, Chapter 170, Vehicles and Traffic, Appendix A, Fines, uh, Appendix A, Fines, Parking Violations, um, Restricted Prohibited Area, is, this is new, $25, Parking within a 10 feet of a hydrant entrance to a fire station going from $25 to $50. Obstructing a driveway is $25. Obstructing a crosswalk is $25. Obstructing a sidewalk is $25. All night parking when restricted 50, uh, from $15 to $50. Uh, snow removal $15 to $25. Wrong direction from $15 to $25. Double parking, $25. Taxi stand from $15 to $25. Bus stop from $15 to $25. Parking within 20 feet of intersection, $25. Posted handicap parking from $125 to $150. Meter overtime, $15 to $25. And overtime parking from $15 to $25. Improper parking from $15 to $25. And unauthorized parking to $50. This bylaw amendment shall become effective on and after July 1st of 2023. Move bylaw amendment 22-879 to a second reading. Second. 
Motion and a second. Discussion on the motion. Jamie, anything to add? Through you, Mr. Chairman, the only thing I would add, and I think Councilor Hamlin will also mention, is this is these are all the proposals put forth by, I believe, uh, uh, Lieutenant Riley, with the one exception as outlined in the memo. The all night parking when restricted, mm -hmm. I believe, was up to $50. Thank you. Uh, Councilor Jones? Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to make a motion to amend file amendment 22879 um, for all night parking when restricted from $50 down to $25 because the general consensus of much of the public and other people during the EDC meeting was that, 20, that a $25 fine seemed reasonable at the time. Uh, my reason for bringing it down to 25 is that, is that it seems like in a rather exuberant uh, fee. If it doesn't prove to be effective, I think the council has the ability to amend this again in the future to a higher rate. But at the moment, I think it's a little, a little too much. So I'd like to make a motion to amend um, all night parking when restricted from $50 to $25. Is there a second? Seeing no second, uh, we're back to the original motion. Is there any discussion? Uh, Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I just wanted to thank Lieutenant Riley for working so hard <coughs> on getting this fee schedule together for us. He did a lot of work and um, to, to look at other communities, what do people charge. Um, and I, I think it's very important for everyone to notice that that we that, that handicapped parking, posted hand parking illegally in a handicapped parking, that fee has gone up to $150. I think that's very important to keep our handicapped spaces clear. Um, but Lieutenant Riley did a wonderful job, and I just want to make sure everybody thanks him for that. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Chandler. Quickly through you, Mr. Chairman. Again, thank you, Lieutenant Riley. I appreciate all that work. And Councilor Jones, with all due respect, I think you know how I felt. I, I still think to get Dean under control, I, I think we need that $50 there. That was my reasoning. And again, I understand where you're coming from, but that's my reasoning. So, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Chairman. Any other Councilor Blakery? Not through you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, these changes of the second column, those are all first offenses. Is there a difference for a second or third or that offense? Lieutenant Riley, you want to come forward, please? Good evening, everyone. No, Council Clark, it would not be a second or third offense. They're all primary. They would all be the same. But they do have a they do have a they do have a if you get so many, I believe it's five, and don't pay them, then the fees get up to can tow your car. But then there's implications through the registry of motor vehicle where you cannot remove your license and things like that. So it would be like the non-criminal violations that we used to do. I don't know if we're still doing them now, but after so many, just what you said would happen. So. Okay, so we're leaving those the way they are. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. <coughs> Thank you. Any other uh, questions? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to move bylaw amendment 22-879 to a second reading. Clerk will call the roll. Yes, Mr. Chairman, Cormier Electric. Yes. Uh, Sheridan. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Angelo. 
Yes. Pellegrini. Yes. Hamlet. Yes. Jones. Yes. DeLuca. Yes. Vice Chair. And Chair. Yes. Motion carries. Uh, resolution 22-63, gift acceptance, police department, $2,550, fire department, $2,500, clerk will read the resolution. Um, very happy to read this resolution. Mr. Chairman, this is resolution 2263, acceptance of gifts. Police department and fire department, whereas the police department and fire department have received generous donations in the total amount of $5,050 to be used at the discretion of each respective department as follows. Donation summary, police department, $2,500 donated by the Digital Federal Credit Union to be applied towards the purchase of safety and other related equipment and to fund departmental programs, $50 donated by Judith and James Belio to support the department's faith and blue program schedule for Saturday, October 8, 2022. Fire Department, $2,500, donated by the D Digital Federal Credit Union to be applied towards the purchase of safety and other related equipment and to fund departmental programs. Now therefore be resolved that the Town Council, the Town of Franklin, on behalf of the Police and Fire Departments, gratefully accepts these generous donations to be used at the discretion of each department as described above. Resolution shall become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Charter. Move resolution 22-63. Second. Motion and second. Discussion, Jamie. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, any other counselors? Again, we always thank, we like to thank the community for uh, these gifts. It's, uh, it's very helpful and it just, it's good stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-63. Clerk will call the roll. Sheridan. Yes. Gormia Ledger. Yes. Rangelo. <coughs> yes. Chandler. Yes. Hammond. Yes. Allegri. Yes. Jones, yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. Nine zero, sir. Motion carries. Uh, and just so that uh, the rest of the council is aware and the audience is aware. Councilor Frangillo is now uh, going off of remote. Sorry, you will not go in. Have a nice trip, Colby. Nice trip, Colby. So, moving on, town administrator's report. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. At the request of Councilor Chandler, I did put on here in case there was a question, um, Beaver Street Interceptor. Essentially, uh, right now we're still waiting. We applied for the SRF funding through DEP. Um, that, oh, those awards will probably come out within the next couple months. I don't know if like the election has anything to do with it. We hope before, but we'll see. Um, and ultimately, the issue right now, the interest rate will be stable. Um, it's a minimum of 2%, but we likely will get 1.5%. The real, the real decision next year, once the SRF gets approved, is really about when to go out to bid and what's the full cost of the project. Um, and when we go to start it and we go to bid, we're in it. So the labor cost could be quite substantial. Uh, the materials cost could be quite substantial. So in terms of an update, everything's on schedule from what we proposed earlier this year. Um, the really the remaining decision is going to be about timing of when to put the project up to bid to make sure we're not paying more than what's already even authorized um, because we, it's just hard to gauge. Thank you. Is that 
And also, uh, through Mr. Chairman, um, summer doesn't stop the events, uh, just in case uh, uh, folks get confused with so many things. October 8th, the Faith in Blue at the Interfaith Council at St. John's Church from 10 to 1. Uh, they're going to do help uh, families with car seat inspections and car seat installations, which is a great project with the church. October 8th, uh, from 10 to 1. October 15th, touch a truck, and we announced the hydrant winners of all the paint, great painting that's been doing around the community from 10 to 2 at the DPW. October 22nd, the Del Car Cleanup, their second Earth Day event. Uh, October 23rd uh, is going to be the Fallen Firefighter Ceremony, as well as the Police Department Halloween Party for all the kids. That's great to have that back. And October 29th, to round out the month, is our open house at the fire department. Um, and then, of course, on November 11th, uh, the Veterans Day Breakfast um, at the Elks. And then finally, Mr. Chairman, I just want to point out one more thing. Uh, on behalf of uh, the staff, Alicia, Karen, and everybody, there's an award up on the wall over there. We're very proud of it, um, where we max out our training rewards credits every year through our insurance premium. We usually get back about sixty dollars or $70,000 on our premium. We were only one of eight municipalities this year to max out. As a goal we set every year, we're really proud of it. Keeps our employees safe, saves us money, um, and we have really well-trained employees. If you want to know why our town employees do such a great job with all that they do, a lot of this training is it. We're in the league with Chelmsford, Foxborough, Franklin, Marlborough, Norwood, Walpole, Westborough, and Westford. Um, so great company. I want to thank Alicia, Karen, and the entire staff of all the union reps who are on this. Uh, it's a great team effort and it's great for the town. So enough on some good news. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, moving on. Uh, any questions for Jim? Okay, moving on. Subcommittee reports. Capital hasn't met. Uh, budget hasn't met. Economic. EDC hasn't met. And Kobe's gone, so no contract. Future agenda items. Councilor Cormier-Lett. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, and this is <clears throat> probably something that Jamie would have to look into if we, we don't know for sure, but um, I recently discovered we have a final water reading inspection fee. Is that an approved fee by the town council? It is. Okay, can that be looked at going in a, a future? Um, because I'm not, as a, just as an aside, I'm not aware of any other community that charges its residents for moving and having a, they're getting a final water reading. It came up you know, recently during the closing on a home. Just seems like a very high fee to charge somebody for you know, simply moving and changing water. But if that could be looked at, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Council Comey Elijah. Council Chandler. Nothing at this time. Council Pelegri. This is comments? No, this is uh, future agenda. agenda. Well, perhaps um, for the school department, is there a way that they can come forward and just give us an update of opening of school? Sure, I, we said, uh, or we talked about having them come once a quarter. Uh, so uh, we'll make that arrangement. Okay, that's an awesome. I'll give Denise a call. Councilor Sheridan. Councilor Hamlin. Nothing at this time. Councilor Jones. Councilor DeLorco. Okay, Councilor Commons, Councilor Sheridan. I uh, just want to thank the Harvest Festival for the organizers. Great. 
Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just wanted to um, say happy birthday to Bobby Catalano, who's 100 years old. I missed the celebration. Um, and I just wanted him to know that last year for Veterans Day, he made my dad's day. So thank you a lot, Bobby, and happy birthday. Thank you, thank you Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, first, want to thank and congratulate Jamie and the team because that's uh, pretty awesome news about the training and saving us all that money. And that's certainly a lot of work and should not be overlooked. Uh, thank you, everybody, for their presentations tonight. I would like us to consider going forward, especially where we are trying to be ever more mindful of um, culture and of people's differences that we should not be meeting on a Jewish high holiday. Um, it just seems incredibly disrespectful that we're even here tonight. Um, I understand that many people reached out to me and said they could not come tonight to voice their support of the uh, various things being discussed because they were going to be with their families. So if we could be mindful of that going forward with our calendar prep, I think that would be only fair. Absolutely. Um, then I would like to just ask if everybody would just indulge me in a, a quick moment of silence. Um, Robert Lillis uh, passed away today. Uh, he was a U.S. Navy uh, and a decorated police uh, chief down in New Haven, a very, very dear uh, friend of the family. Um, he passed today. At, uh, he was born in 1938, and I told his family that we would just remember him today and uh, thank him for his service. Councilor Chen. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Um, all right, not, not to sound paranoid here, but uh, Nancy Danello, who's above reproach, I'm not insinuating that she's, anything's gonna be wrong, but the way it was given tonight, how there's gonna be memory sticks taken out when you know, ballots are done early, do you think we can get something on the website, like how, the, maybe the right word is chain of custody? Like how is that gonna work, you know? It just seems like, <coughs> I don't know, that they could be switched, they could be anything, you know? What's happening with those? I can see you looking at me like I am being paranoid. Chan, I don't think you're being paranoid. No. I get to say this every once in a blue moon. Okay. I don't run elections. In all seriousness, as somebody who has learned a lot in 24 years in this business, who has spent a lot of time at a lot of election sites on a lot of election nights and after the last few years, um, I think what uh, the town clerk mentioned tonight, you know, first of all, I think her germane point of what she was trying to get across was all of those um, moments are all public access. So the testing of the machines, the opening of the ballots, all of that stuff I think, I think was trying, what she was trying to convey was that they were all open completely to the public. And we have had, I think Nancy has had some audiences in the last couple of years in the chamber, in the training room, in the high school, um, you know, yeah. whatnot, um, you know, there's, it's been fairly well attended. Um, and so I don't know about the memory sticks. I'll have her reach out to you. Yeah, I've never heard that um, before, I, that's why. I, I didn't hear the memory sticks either. I will say I, I know everything from, obviously from the yeah. second, with mail-in voting, 
I mean, the reality too is is that with mail-in voting clearly being a very prominent way to vote, there is the Secretary of the Commonwealth. I do think is 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 pushing a lot more of the digital online registration, and you can get your ballot through online and that type of stuff. And I think it's just some modernized ways. Uh, but I'll ask her about the about the memory stuff. Yeah. So the critical thing to understand is there are paper ballots that underlie this all and they're yeah. kept. All she's talking about is the machines which count when they're inserted, but then those ballots are kept as backup. So if there were a question, you could match the numbers from the machines up against the paper ballot. Somebody could ask for a recount, but that's right. probably right. I, I'm just, I just wanted to know how it would work for you. know. She's talking about putting them through the count the ballots, the ones that are voted that day, and as uh, Council Pillay, we could probably tell you, as in the old days with the absentee ballots, they would be retained, but on election day is when you would put them through the right. count. Right. Okay. And one more yeah. sure. Lastly, I just want to thank um, BBC and Chairwoman um, Hamlin for all your work on this. As you can see, this parking is a very passionate thing. <laughs> and people do get upset. I mean, I personally have been dealing with this for 25, 30, I can't even tell you how long uh, the downtown parking. And it's very frustrating. And so please take it as passion, not that we were on you about any of your work. Thank you. Council Blake. My two things were already said to thank all the volunteers for the Harvest Festival. And secondly, for um, Bob Catalano, I did get to his, his town today at the Senior Center. He couldn't find a parking space. He had so many people there, and it was just wonderful. He sat there, he was a gentleman, and he greeted everyone that came in and was so appreciative of everything. So it was a pleasure and honor to be there for him. Thank you, Councilor Council Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, just really just a big thank you to all the election workers, the 20 election workers that, that Nancy has in reserve, her office herself, all the hard work that goes into making these elections happen. It, it, it's, it's a testament to our you know, town clerk and her office, um, how well things run. She has no control over what the state does ballot stuff out. But I would just like to say thank you to all the hardworking people. I think that we, you know, I, I understand uh, Councillor um, Chandler's point in regards of, yeah, it's a little unnerving. But I think I have full faith and trust in our town clerk's office when I do that. Um, when, it, when it comes to the parking situation, I, 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 I have to vehemently agree with Councillor Cormier Ledger in regards to reaching out to the college in hopes that with this new partnership we can make a collaborative and, and have, uh, albeit maybe if it's a sit down or some discussion or some kind of literature that goes out to the students and says, okay, you know, maybe we, maybe we could send a nice courteous thing out to them and say, if you're going to park in these neighborhoods, <laughs> maybe maybe kid like not park in front of their parking cars or just something or their, their garage. You know. um, but that's about it. Um, I honestly think that it was a great Sunday for the Harvest Fest, regardless of the, the weather and everything that happened. Uh, it's um, still a great night. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor DeLarco. Thank you. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for the Harvest Fest and happy birthday to Bobby Catalano. He's well, probably was one of my old, father's oldest friends. They were neighbors wow. since they were born, so it goes back a long way. And my father's a little older than them, but they were neighbors. Um, and as far as the parking, you see, what I would do, what we used to do in the city, if you park in front of it, just put, put the barrel right in front of the car and you hope the rod goes through the door. That's, that's what you do. They won't park there. They won't park there. They won't park there. I think they're reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor DeLarco. Again, thank all the Harvest Festival workers and uh, uh, the people that put that all together and the merchants that came out uh, on a rain date day, uh, which isn't always easy to have to switch everything around. And it was nice to see so many people that did come out on a what was a very windy, yeah, windy, windy day wow. uh, on Sunday. So uh, thank everybody for that. Again, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for coming in support of the uh, Schmidt Farm public mm -hmm. hearing this evening, as well as uh, the people that came in uh, uh, regarding the parking issues. It's the downtown parking has been on town council's agenda as long as I've been here, and I'm sure as long as Glenn's been here, yeah. and as long as, uh, for a long time. Anyway, uh, I would like to uh, also congratulate uh, Councilor Jones on attaining his uh, rank of Lieutenant, the Sea Cadets. Lieutenant JG. Lieutenant JG, yes. And uh, lastly, uh, just one Quick comment, I did receive a phone call from uh, a resident regarding the South Franklin Meeting House and specifically to Councilor Comey and Ledger, I think, brought up the bell, uh, or somebody brought up the bell, I'm not sure who it was. Uh, Okay, Councillor Hamblin. I couldn't write that The bottom line is, I guess there's uh, a substantial amount of history with that bell. Uh, it's uh, believed that it could have been the bell that originally came from the Franklin Academy, which was up by St. Mary's School many, 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 many eons ago. So I, I guess their concern was to make sure that, you know, we can leave the steeple, we don't necessarily need to leave the bell, and maybe the bell, would, a good place for the bell would be the museum. Uh, so uh, to that point, Happy to do it. The, the incoming family may want to wake up the kids with the bell. We'll give them a ding dong. That's all I had again. Jamie, Mark, Alicia, the whole administrative team. Uh,
Councilor Hamlin, the EDC, a lot of work on that parking. Thank you so much for all that work. Uh, and with that, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. Motion to second, non-debatable. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.